Shout it, rock to the beat for your boy. Shout it, yeah, do yeah. Hey, it's yeah. no so in case you ain't no so. Hey, Dream, let me tell you about Shorty. Shorty has the shook, 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 sugar, honey, iced tea. Prettiest one I see. Little mama, I see. They say she a Pisces. I heard they are feisty. You know how to treat her. She'll be sweeter than a high C. Clean up very nicely. Shoes are kind of pricey. Match them up precisely. Good jean, nice tea. Like a food spicy. And she is the same. Hotter than a flame, but I do not know her. Welcome back to Good Mom's Bad Choices. This is me. And I'm Erica. And what's up, girl? What it do, boo? You know, chilling. I'm hot. Still having sound technical difficulties, guys. I'm sorry about the last episode. We went to Dash Studio and we don't know how to fucking use real microphones. So when I listened to it in my car, it sounded good. There were parts that were so low. Well, bitch, you were swinging in your chair like you're 12. I was trying to tell you, Dory, like, stop. You did it too. Don't, uh uh-uh. uh. There were, poem, there were <laughs> moments where you were doing the same thing, so don't do it. I did. Um, is this recording? Okay. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, sorry about that. We're still working on it. We're trying to get this shit together. Like, I think I need a new computer. We need to, like, infringe on some engineer daddies. Yeah, if we have any people out there that want to help us, like, come over. You can just chill. We'll get you high, and then you can, like, help us fix this shit, because I'm low-key getting really annoyed by our sound. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Um, How was your weekend? Um... Well, my weekend was... What did I do this weekend? Oh, she just got back from like a three-city tour. Yeah, I was out of town for seven days. I was in Toronto, Paris, London for work. It was amazing. Learned a lot. Mommy. (laughs) What, babe? I'm talking, okay? Um, I was in London, Paris. Toronto, London, Paris, London. And I... um, it was great. I wore, I learned a lot for from about my company and watching my mom do her thing was really amazing. I took some dope ass photos. Um, never used Instagram more in my life. Um, got hacked also. My Instagram got hacked. Someone deleted all my photos. That was last week. That was the day I left to 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 go out of town. Oh. Okay. We haven't discussed this. I thought we did it, Dash. Because that was the day you got hacked. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you're right. Well, I got my shit back. Okay. How'd you do that? Thank God, like, the people that, you know, at Beauty Blender, we have a Facebook rep, so we actually have someone we can talk to. Because a lot of times, you just have to submit shit, and you just pray Wait. that it happens. But we had someone, like, a point of contact, and they helped me get my stuff back. Wow, that's crazy. So when I was in Toronto, I, like, opened my app, and suddenly all my pictures were back. And there was one photo of, like, a, a Ray-Ban oh. ad that someone had posted. So it was, like, someone trying to, to take a Ray-Ban? Ray-Ban, like, cheap, Ray, like, $20 Ray-Bans. Fake. Yeah, it was Ray-Ban. some fake shit. Yes, baby. Um, we have Irie in the room today because Luna's not here. So if she talks a lot, that's why. <laughs> Normally she has a distraction, but today she's with mommy. It's mom, take your daughter to work day at my house. Um, other than that, this weekend I just was chilling with Irie. Um, we got our nails done today and we went to dinner last night. And I, what else? I saw my little boo thing that I'm Sing. really liking. And that's about it. What about you? Let's hear about your weekend. I'm really interested about your weekend, Jamila. I'd love to know more about your weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. It wasn't very eventful. Oh, my God. I took a fucking 
half an edible last night with my homegirl. She's like, oh, <laughs> we don't have to eat. Just try this. Just eat half. Bitch. I don't know what the fuck was in that gummy bear. But I got to Benihana's. I was like zooming into everybody's conversation. I was thinking all these profound things about Benihana's. Like, Benihana's is the McDonald's of hibachi. <laughs> <laughs> Niggas were in there waiting like two hours to get a table. Like, I saw like at least three people who had to be like 95 years old. I'm like, God damn. Benihana's. Black people love Benihana's. All. I thought it was just black people. All people love Benny Hanna. No, but a lot of no, my, but black people specifically think it's real classy. That's like no, a, that's a classy date no, spot. I I thought it was black people. All people, because last night when I was I was high, so I was intensely zooming into everyone, and it was just everybody. Wait, class, which one did you go to? Encino. Yeah, that one. Doesn't matter what class you are. Doesn't matter what background. If it's a motherfucking birthday, everybody is liable to be up in Henny Ben Henny Bonas Henny Bonas. <laughs> Girl, it was so many fucking people in there waiting like two hours for a table. Then we had this character of a bartender. He looked like he was like... A what? A character. Like, oh. He looked like he should have been on Family Guy cartoon, but <laughs> he was behind the bar. First of all, I was just too high to be there. We got home. I literally passed out for like six hours on my couch. First, I, the moral of the story, I'm never taking a fucking edible again. That's why I don't eat edibles. I almost brought the other half for you. Hell, the f- and I would have said no. <laughs> I don't do edibles. Um, I saw my witch doctor this weekend. Yeah, she saw her witch doctor, in case you didn't uh, get that part. <clears throat> witch doctor. Do we? I wonder if we have any followers that go to witch doctors. I'm sure we do. There's somebody. Who has some I can't be the only person. No. Well, he's like a shaman. He's my homeboy. He's my friend. He's been studying, like ancestry spirits for a very long time he's mad cool he's, he just turned 30 he went to haiti for his 30th and he came back with all these tricks and shit so uh, tricks you know magic and um yeah i had a cleansing and some other things and it was quite an interesting ordeal Overall, though, I feel really good about it. I feel lighter. Um, and just for anyone who's, like, freaking out right now and is really into Jesus, it wasn't. it's not black magic. It's not dark. It's light. It's the dealings of, like, your angels and your ancestry and your ancestor guides. So everybody don't freak out. I'm not a devil worshiper or anything like that. No, she's not. So you're not going to, you're just going to, that's what you're going to do? That's what you're doing today? That's what you're doing, Jamila? For real? That's what's happening? Okay. Okay. Cool. We're leaving it there? (laughs) (laughs) We're leaving it there? Okay. Well, um, anyway, uh, I guess we're moving on from her witch doctor story. We're not going to get into details of what that meant. But, you know, if you have any further questions, make sure to hit up Camila and ask her about her true experience with her witch doctor. I took two pigeons. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she took two pigeons, and we'll just leave it there. Okay, that's, I like, we can leave it there, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> anyway, today we have a guest who's also looking at me mad fucking sideways right now. Thanks a lot, Erica, um, for outing your fucking friend. I called her this morning like, oh my god, I gotta tell you about this witch shit I did this weekend. She's like, I'm telling everyone. I'm like, don't tell. No one's gonna understand. Now her, our friend, Nicole, my new friend, Erica's old friend, is looking at me like, we're not friends, bitch. <laughs> not you. Um, yes, my my dear friend Nicole Russell is with us. Thank you for joining our podcast today. Yes, thank you for having me. My friend Nicole, I've known her um, since I was seventeen. Lived in New York. We no, I don't used, think that's a good idea. Irene, no, get get off the table. 
I'm not gonna tell you again. Off the table, down. Because you're shaking everything. Um, so, oh my God, three is really hard. Three is really hard. Um, anyway, I've known Nicole since I was 17 when I was in college for one year. <laughs> and I went to college for one year too. Right? And look at us now. It's glowing. Yeah, living our best life. Um, oh my God, I was actually talking to Jared about this. Jared's a friend of mine that I went to college with that Nicole also knows. And like, Nicole was like used to get us into all the clubs underage, all the best clubs in New York. She was a kid. What was it called? Suede or stereo? Stereo, stereo, stereo. Oh my god. The club had a theme song. Yeah, yeah. Did it? Did I just make? No, the DJ used to always play that. Stereo, stereo. Had, that was fun. Had, had so many cranberry vodkas at that point in my life. Because that's like the, the intro to drinking. Yeah. Drink. Vodka, yeah. Um, and yeah, we've just been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. When I went out, when I moved back out to New York again, but right before I had Irie, like she was there for me, supported me, helped me get a job, everything. I love this girl. She's so smart, selfless, talented. And I wanted to have her on because... Not only that, but because she has she's uh, has a, a foundation called the Precious Dreams Foundation, which she'll tell you about, and a new book coming out. So I want her to come on and tell us about what she does. So. Yeah, well, technically it's out. It's out. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's out. out. <laughs> oh yeah, it is out. It just, yeah, it got out yesterday. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. yeah, September eighteenth. So the book is called Everything a Band Aid Can't Fix, and it's a teen's guide for healing and dealing with life. And, you, like, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your work with Precious Dreams Foundation? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of the nonprofit Precious Dreams, and we provide comfort tools and programs that teach foster and homeless youth how to self-soothe, which uh, is something that I've been doing since 2012. I'm super passionate about it, and I just... Like, from the stories that have been shared over the years, from just seeing, like, how difficult of times these children face, I've learned so much from them. And from all having all those gems, like, stored, I just was like, other kids need, need this information. Other people need to know what is going on and how you self-soothe when you're facing adversity and in all these crazy situations. Not everyone has parents that stick around. And some people do have parents that are living very unhealthy lives. And so what do you do when you feel like you're alone and you have nobody else to depend on? So that's what my work is about. And that's what this book is about. And I'm really excited. That's amazing. I mean, I know coming from a single parent home with a busy mom who did her best, there were definitely things that like tools that I really like self-soothing, like something that you just don't think about, obviously. It's not even in your vocabulary. Yeah, you just don't think about it. Yeah. Because I think about, I actually had, when when I was thinking about this, I was like thinking about moments in my life as a teenager and just as an adolescent where I, where I needed those like tools and I didn't have them. But I think that's because we're taught as children that we're supposed to rely on our parents. And so that's whenever they do something that disappoints us, it hurts to the core because mm-hmm. it's like I'm relying on you for everything how dare you let me down mm-hmm. but our parents are not teaching us at a young age that it's us we need to see ourselves when we're hurt and when we're in pain you know we're the only ones that are going to get us through that but parents most parents just don't well I think also as parents we and especially in the beginning of you know Iris three <laughs> our kids are three 
I think in the beginning of having a kid, it's like you want them to rely on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You love that they rely on you. You do. Yeah. And so it's hard for, for that to switch over. You know yeah. what I mean? It almost becomes like sort of like an addiction because it's almost it makes you if you're it makes you feel wanted in a way. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like the one person that you know needs you. But don't you think that's selfish? It totally is. No, it's a hundred percent selfish, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying that's just I think how parents think. Yeah. And we're conditioned to think and not even no, I maybe it. not and it's even not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just I wish at the same time um, parents taught us to see ourselves. And I think that's why like learning how learning the importance of self care and self comfort, like all that stuff happens for most adults, um, in their late twenties, early thirties. Like, when we realize, like, shit, all I have is, all that I have in this moment is myself. Shit, I just learned that two, two days ago. Two days ago. <laughs> no, literally, I just think, I, I think it's such a good idea. I've thought about this, like, 20 times, like, why the fuck wasn't there any handbook about this shit? Yeah. Because, like, 18 to, like, 25, it's just, like, a whirlwind of fucking and drinking and a parent, a trying to self-soothe, but you're trying, you're, right. like, doing it in all these other ways. And yeah. I think, also, I think our parents didn't have the tools. I think, like you said, like we, all parents are kind of like, I am your savior. I am superwoman. I will take, get you out of any predicament, like bad situation you ever find yourself in. That's what we're like trained to like, you know, embody for our children. But the reality of it is like, then you'll be 30 and you're like, Oh shit. Oh, you you fuck up too. Oh, you're just a big ass kid in a 50 year old's body. Oh, you don't, you don't get it either. Yeah. You're, Mm -hmm. you're figuring out yourself too. And I had to deal, even as an adult, I'm dealing with like, Oh, my parents are just teenagers. Like they're just kids too. And there's like this whole like period where even as an adult, I'm reminding myself to not take things so personally because they themselves are on their own journey and that, you know, there's just not a dialogue that says, Hey, I'm human too. Yeah. Teaching your kids that and then not being like this huge taboo thing. Even like when like a, a parent is in, like has infidelity or steps out, you know, kids like take, think it's them. And cause there's no, there's no one talking about this shit. Like mm-hmm. mom has to be happy too. Yeah. I think also, um, Thinking about parents, I think that's a difficult position for parents because they want their children to respect them as the authority and uh, as the provider, as the authority, as the example. Disciplinary. So it's hard for, like, at what point as a parent do you have this conversation with your kid where you're like, hey, I'm a human too. I fuck up. Like, you don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, because what you don't, you feel like that shifts, like, that shifts the respect, the, the respect level. level. So but that's all in your head because you're putting these expectations on yourself. yourself that, like, Ivy has to see you this way, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, even with the show, you are so authentically yourself. Like, why can't you just show her who you are from the beginning? Right. You know, because then I feel like there's less room for disappointment when things happen and she might feel like, oh, you've let her down. Or she sees a side of you that she has never been introduced to. Then she's like, whoa, who is this? That's not my mom. But you're like, no, it is. I've been hiding this part of me from you, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So. No, it's true. To be it's... authentic even to your children. Yeah. Yeah, in a way that's like, respect me, but hey, also... I may. They probably would respect you more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know? I would probably just have a lot more respect for my parents if they're like, hey, I'm a fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. I'm, doing, I'm doing these things because my parents didn't teach me. And so if I make mistakes with you, just know that I'm trying. You know, like, we just don't have those type of conversations with our kids. And I think that we should. Um, 
But that's why there's this one quote in the book. It says, parents aren't perfect. They are people. I didn't realize that until I was like 25. I had a moment where I was like, oh, now I get what was wrong. You know? No, I think I had that moment around that age too, where I suddenly, like something clicked in me and I was like, oh, my parents are people and they're not superhuman. No. Like, yeah. They're out here trying to figure it out. And I think, yeah, no. And I think now that I'm 30, going to be 31 next month, I'm finally at the point of like, forgiving my parents for for that yeah and it's it's it's, they don't even it's not like they even deserve it's not even like a matter of forgiveness but it's really forgiving myself for putting all that on them and Mm -hmm. me and realizing like everything they did wasn't to hurt like anything that I felt with like they were hurting me it wasn't like they were setting out to hurt me right you know what I mean it's not like they woke up like you know what today I'm gonna fucking hurt my daughter right you know they were just doing and continuing to try and do the best they can with what they have with what they have and I the more I, and now I realize that more and more that with now that I have a kid even though right now I'm about to so are you you know what sit down Irie please call the ancestors for your patience oh my god let me just we know you're connected let me go get a pigeon and fuck you guys the rest is history fuck you guys um when I was in college I went to college, and I remember my, I had to be like 23 or 24, and my dad calling me and was like, oh my god, my mom's going to kill me. But it's basically like, your mom got it two DUIs since you've been in school, and she's going to jail. And I was like, what? She's like, she's going to, she's gonna, they're giving her like two months in jail. And I hung up the phone, and I was just so fucking disturbed, and I'm like, how the fuck am I in college? No DUIs. I mean, I've done a lot of fucking up, but no DUIs. Like, how is this bitch 40-something years old about, like, about to go to jail? I just couldn't understand for the life of me, like, what in the fuck is going on? I left the city, and you motherfuckers don't know how to act. Yeah. And, like, you know, now I have a whole different, like, perspective of my parents. Uh But, like, then I just could not... It just took a long time for me to, like, clap, like, to really understand, like, that they don't really know what the fuck is going on either. And they have their own, like, they're battling their own demons and probably dealing with their own trauma from their childhood that was never fucking addressed. And then there's, like, this, yeah, it's just all bad. Yeah. There's no class. There's no certification needed to have children, right? Seriously, like, Lord Jesus. I I read that in the book. I stop. Do you want to go out there? Do you want to go watch your movies? Do you want to? Do you want a DVD? I mean, a you want an iPad? Oh, do you see what I'm doing? Did you see this? Look, Nicole's like, what? I know. Do you want iPad? Do you want to watch the Barbie? At movie? first, when I was like, oh, it's gonna be a teenage guy, to have plenty of time to read this. Yeah. But then I'm like, oh no, this shit happens quickly. You want to watch Barbie? Yeah. yeah. I don't want to watch it. I want to play it. Well, I don't have it. You guys, we have to take a quick break. Sorry, I know it's early in the episode, but we got to get homegirl in line so we can have a real discussion. Are we going to music or no? Okay, we're back. Sorry about that. Um, probably going to get interrupted again, but we're downloading a game so we can continue this conversation. Um, but what were you saying? You were saying... You're... Just like the parents lack the tools, yeah. too. There has to be a discussion that I'm human. Hey, I fuck up, too. And I know I think it is, too. A lot of parents don't apologize to their kids growing up. Like, I, I'm sorry. I messed up. Oh, my God. Most parents don't even want to be held accountable for their mistakes. 
like my me and my father are actually not talking right now over something that I wrote in the book that happened when I was six years yeah. old. And he, he he's and not he's so upset that I brought it up that it, I put it into the book that he just he doesn't want to talk about it. Instead like, of instead of saying I obviously heard you, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Wait, what is it? You have to read the book. (laughs) Um, No, but I talk about my parents' separation, what led to that. And, yeah, he just, he's very old school. And I think most parents feel like what happens in this house Oh, I think I read, I read briefly about what happened. Yeah. Can I say it or? Yeah, yeah. I think it was infidelity, right? It was like infidelity. It was more than that. It was like. And and abuse. Yes. Some sort of, it was an incident of abuse. Yes. Which I made, I tried to make it as clean as possible. So I was like, this is my dad. I love him. I'm not going to have him out here looking crazy, putting in details. But I just wanted children to know that these things happen. Sometimes they're a mistake, you know, but to help them process it because no one sat down with me and was like, listen, this is what you just saw. No one did that. And I'm like, now because I'm like, now I'm reflecting on all the things like happened to me as a child. And I'm thinking, because I, I think like it comes back at this time in our lives. Around your 30s, around your late 20s, you're like, you kind of have to deal with like, how you love, how you interact in relationships. And I'm realizing there's a direct correlation with the relationship you see your parents have. Yes, 100%. And the relationship that you offer others when you become an adult. Mm-hmm. Because I got, like, I have commitment issues. I don't, I'm not, like, verbally, like, that nice. Mm-hmm. Like, I just expect you to understand that yeah. I love you. And I'm just realizing there's all these unhealthy things that I, I saw happen. And as a, like, it's subconsciously, that's how I interact in my own relationships. Even with my child. Yeah. Like, oh, shut up. You know, like, I have to remind myself to, like, be verbally, uh, like, mm-hmm. affirm affirm her, you know? Yeah. But, um, and I, I don't want, I don't want to make it a cultural thing, but I think a lot of times in, like, I know because I'm black, in black families, it's like, if something goes wrong in the household, it's hush-hush. We don't yeah. speak about it. You kind of brush it under the rug. You don't talk, tell nobody our business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, then there's this, this, attitude that certain things that do happen aren't a big deal right so like abuse infidelity they're like it's we're programmed to like sweep them under the rug so that if it does happen in our adulthood then we'll kind of feel the same way like right my thing is we can't heal from anything that we don't discuss so even if we're not going to talk about this outside of the household we have to talk about this here in the household yeah like i need to understand what's going on and no i'm not too young to understand because i'm not too young for you to show me what you're doing right you know so help me process at at least i'm not getting like hints and and, and pieces of it at least if we're going to like i'm going to know so let's discuss it and open it and then the idea of like a lot of parents think like oh he or she is so young he's gonna forget this no like traumatizing experiences stick with you you have to talk to these kids about it yeah, I know. Oh my god. <laughs> Doing sign language to Iria. Um it's downloading, baby. It's downloading. Okay. Your Barbie game is oh, it's up. Okay. Yeah, so we I think the conversation is just necessary. Whether it's in the house, whether you know, you're talking to a professional, whatever it is, we all have to deal with our issues in order to overcome them. Um hold on. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree, and I think I think it's so wonderful that you made a book about like two teenagers. I mean, and shit for parents too, because mm-hmm. even I'm looking at the book like, oh god, these are things that were totally overlooked in my childhood. Maybe yeah. I can give this to my mom right now. Right? No, <laughs> maybe I, you can learn something right now. Yeah, I've done talks where people, like adults, parents, have come up to me crying, and then they're like, "I need to read this book for myself," and I'm yeah. like, "Read it." <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we all heal at different stages, at different ages. Like, my dad just turned 60, and he's still not ready to deal with what happened. Right, right. So, it takes, it's, everybody has their own healing process. But at some point, you have to do it. Right. And and the thing is, most of us have to heal the most from things that happened to us in our childhood. Because so they're, they're most impressionable then. Right. And that's why I think, I, I say that the book was written for teens, but really it's for anyone that's dealt with traumatic experiences in their You got to deal with that inner yes. child. You got to go through that or else you're not going to get better. How do you feel, because you, you, I was telling Jamila before you came, I was like, Nicole is like my most evolved friend. Like, like, Nicole, like, she don't take shit from nobody. The moment, like, she knows her worth 100% through and through. And, you know, I know probably everyone has their moments. And yeah. I'm sure you do, too. Mm-hmm. But just from an outsider looking in, like, I just have so much respect for the way you handle you handle situations and with friends, mm-hmm. with men, just, with, just work. You know what you want. You go for it. Yeah. So how, coming from a situation and... As a, as a kid that didn't wasn't given all those tools, right? How did you find them? Was it just by yourself or yeah, like? Yeah. So that's the thing. Um, the term self comfort is something that's not heard often, right? But it's something that I had to start doing at age six. So when mm. my parents separated, my which this is something else that you don't hear often. My mother left the house. She was forced to leave, and I was then raised by my dad who went into a 12-year depression. And my house was silent at all times. Like, there was no talking. Like, some days I would come home and say hello to my father. Or, like, I'd come home and I had a great day at school. And I'm like, hey, Dad. And silence. The energy was just so low. Like, it was like I didn't even walk into the room. It was like I was a ghost. Because he was in a deep depression. Yeah, he was kind of like, stay out of my way. I'm not dealing with you. And, like, no. Do you have siblings? I do. So I have an older brother who also went into depression. Because your mom was gone. So I was just like surrounded by it. And it was this dark, quiet house. But inside, I was like, I'm happy. And like, I like to sing and I like to dance. I like to do all these things. So I would close my door and like look in the mirror and act out things. Like I just started spending time alone. And I was like, what can I do so that I don't turn out that way? Like (laughs) that was something that I recognized at a very young age that I wanted to be better than that. And so it was a lot of trial and error, but trying to figure out, you know, how to maintain my happiness at a very young age. Wow, because I was the weird six-year-old I've ever met. I was forced. <laughs> I was, like, forced to see my... It's like, you know, when the child cries, eventually someone's going to come, right? So the children that I work with are children that cry in that room and no one ever comes. So you have to say to yourself, how long am I going to sit here and cry for Am I going to ask myself to process these feelings? Why am I crying? Or am I just going to cry and so I'm tired and fall asleep? You know, our minds work differently. But for me, it was, how long am I going to cry for? Why am I crying? I had to have those conversations with myself in order to get through it. And I think we underestimate. I was thinking this, like, no matter if you're not a mom or a dad or whatever, you're not a parent yet, if your parents, if your kids are small or large or whatever the fuck, it's never too early to have these tools because what I've found is, like, I'm joking, saying you're the most, you are the most evolved six-year-old I've ever met. <laughs> but I remember just, like, being, like, I even see in Luna, like, they're so aware. They're so smart. They're they're probably more smart than adults because they're so. less tainted by the social bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I remember being six and my mom, like, crying and, like, my dad was not coming home and shit. And I was like, you need to move on. I said that to my mom, I too. I literally told my mom, like, maybe it's best that you leave him alone. 
At six. Yes. And I remember the room where we were in. I remember where we were sitting. And, bitch, it is 2018. And, it, it, like, there's still festering issues from this relationship that I told you when I was six. Yeah. You should have moved the fuck on. Yeah. But that's why I think it is important that at no age do you, like, underestimate your child's intelligence because they're super evolved. And, more importantly, they're super t- tapped into your energy flow. If anything, yeah. they're the most clear people. They are. You know what I mean? They have no... They see everything in such clear form. Just like she can go in her room and realize no one's coming. I don't want to be like this. And how And how am I going to avoid this? And that she can not only recognize that, but take it into her adulthood mm-hmm. and never like... Because what happened is like, you know, we're usually super imaginative. We were, we're like, we we're playful. We don't give a fuck about like if anyone's looking at us. As a child, you could talk to yourself and you're not thinking about it. Yeah. But as adults, that dwindles and dwindles and dwindles because we're told that's crazy. That's weird. That's not yeah. cool. But like to take that those experiences and then move on into adulthood still with those intact that's like a a pretty healthy well-rounded child you are there's also um an affirmation that I live by and it's probably why I'm so strong but I deserve and then whatever comes after that is what you desire so I know every single ex-boyfriend of mine has heard me say those words <laughs> because I truly feel like I deserve the best right. in everything from my friendships to my relationships. Like I deserve the best flowers. I deserve the best food. <laughs> like I deserve, I deserve all. moisturized hair. Like I deserve the <laughs> all best. my edges. Yes. But if you continuously tell yourself that you start to believe it. And then the people around you will act accordingly because they're they like, know oh, that no, they, she knows her yeah. worth. Okay, mm-hmm. so then I can't act up. Mm-hmm. And even like thinking like an affirmation can like really change how you, your outlook of yourself. I, it took me to like after my baby's daddy to be like, oh my God, I, I manifested this because obviously I don't feel like I deserve better. Mm-hmm. I had to I had to look, like reflect in on myself and be like, oh my God, this is this is because obviously I don't feel like I deserve better. I sat in this five year relationship for so long with someone who genuinely does not appreciate me or give a fuck about me. But obviously, like, I've allowed this. And right. so that was, like, that was an awakening for me that maybe, even if you don't want to, like, admit that, even if you think you think you deserve the best or you say that, unless you, like, really believe it. Yeah, but see, so then I have a question for both of you guys because I think the real problem behind that is that we, the things that we feel we deserve are what we're taught by others. And that's a bigger issue. Right. So even like with relationships, it'll take you meeting the person that gives you the world and sweeps you off your feet to be like, oh, this is what I deserve. It's like, why didn't you believe that? Why do we have to wait for an outside factor to tell us that? And even then, sometimes it's hard to recognize because it's like, this is weird. Do I like him? He's so happy. He's so nice. I think my I think for me, like, I don't know if my parents and I maybe not. I should just I should just say my mom because I was raised by her and she really taught me everything about relationships and everything or not because Mm -hmm. she didn't always talk about things with me. I don't know if she ever was clear about what she thinks I should, what I deserve. You know what I mean? Like I know for, I know early on in my dating life, it was about like, you know, what he does, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, who he is and I remember early on me being like especially when you're like 17 18 or even like early 20s for me I was like why is my mom so fucking shallow like I don't like yeah he does yeah he's broke but I love him yeah you know what I mean like I didn't didn't get it you know what I mean I mean obviously now it's shifted for me because I do I deserve someone that can help that can take care of me 
the same way I can take care of myself, if not better. Yeah. You know, but I didn't understand that at the time because I was young and I didn't, of course, the 18 year olds weren't like popping. You know, like weren't financially. Yeah, like, but as long as you go $20 to the movie theaters, you're good. I, and like, you know, watching who she was with and who she's still with, like, I saw that they were, he was very nice, so I thought, like, okay, I need a nice guy, but I think also the nice, like, my dad not being around, and, like, then him, then at some point him being around and constantly having multiple women around, and I could see them wanting to keep his attention, I could see, and me feeling like I had to keep his attention, it's something, like, I, I, for some reason, I, I, it was attractive to me, a man whose attention I had to keep, and... That's that's been the theme in all my relationships yeah. is like dating men whose attentions I feel like I'm constantly having to keep. Right. Or yes, baby. Okay, come on. Yep. Um, so I just feel like I think as parents we just don't we don't have those discussions with our kids. We don't have those discussions with our kids because it's uncomfortable. We don't we're like we like we don't want to imagine them dating anyone. You know what I mean? But it's happening. It's happening younger than ever. Yeah. Okay. You think we should turn the TV down? Yeah, I'll Yeah, what about you? Do you feel like you've kind of learned your worth through others? Or do you have you had an idea of like what you want? You just haven't always been able to manifest it? I, it's taken me to like right now, honestly, to be like, A, to be like, what is it that I want and deserve? And then also like back to what Erica said, I, I, I'm sorting through it to be like, oh, like, are these ones, like, shallow? Because I'll be like, he's really nice, but I kind of want, like, a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> I see myself, like, dancing on a yacht. Because you deserve a yacht. Yeah. But I'm like, am I being shallow? Because I also like to travel the world and drink fine wine and shit like that. That's, and that's what's going to make you happy. But then I'm wondering, okay, so. Is it shallow? I mean, in, or, or like not realistic. But I think also, like, I think what you have to, I think the other side of this conversation is like, well, what are we providing for, what are we giving to <laughs> this person? Like, because they have things that they deserve, or can we provide that for them too? Mm-hmm. I think it's like, if we can't provide certain things for this person, how can we expect them oh, like to provide those things for us? Not necessarily. Like, yeah. I don't have a yacht. Not a yacht. So, bitch, you're trying to say, no. I bitch, you I don't, don't have a yacht. How dare you be asking me I don't necessarily. Okay, it can be different things. Like, do you have a giving heart? If you had the, the means to give a yacht, would you? You know I what let, I mean? I would let I Like, I think, like, you have to be, like, in order to receive that, you have to be open to equally give, yoked. Yeah, giving that, and not necessarily in financial terms. You know what I mean? It can be in love. It can be in just you know in different forms, because not many people are able to fucking give someone a yacht. Okay, but you know what I mean, though. It's just like so. <clears throat> that's why I think like I truly, definitely believe that you know we attract what we give, you know, give off, mm-hmm. and I believe that more than ever, even now, because I think. I've done a lot of work since my breakup and the men that I've been attracting are so different than the men that I've been attracting in my past, which lets me know that the work that I'm doing is working. Mm -hmm. I still have work to do because I haven't, I I don't know, I'm dating this guy now and I'm like in lust, but, (laughs) but, um, and he's like the first guy that I've dated that I feel like I, I was telling Jamila and I told him, I was like, even if this doesn't work out and this, nothing transpires between us, like you've given me like you've shown me like what it what I know that I deserve because yeah. so many I don't think I've been able to accept or I've, I haven't dated someone that's 
been so adoring of me. If anything, I'm constantly having to adore someone else and raise them up. And like, so someone doing that for me is very uncomfortable for me. I'm like, like if you tell me something and nice that's about because of you, that's I know all about you, I know. And it's like, con- like he is constantly telling me how great I am or whatever. Like I'm this and that and that. And I'm constantly like, okay, like I have to say it back. Right. Like you're saying this because you want to hear it too. I know, and it's not. He's like, I don't need you to say that. Like, I'm telling you because I want you to know this about you. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm not used to that, and it's like makes me so fucking uncomfortable. Is it making? Is it making you be more aware of like speaking your mind though? Like, is it making like because someone's constantly speaking their mind to you and telling you like you're so beautiful, you're so great, you're an amazing woman? Does it remind you like when? Because I know like for myself, I'll have thoughts about how much I really love someone, but I'll, it's hard for me to be. I feel I feel really corny. I think like, we're different in that way. I like to give like is as as as. As um, as cold as some people might think I am, you're actually re- rather warm. In relationships, I am very loving, and I love to give my partner. I love to like lift my partner up and tell them, "Oh, you're so sexy. Oh, I'm so proud of you. All those things." I'm just not used to receiving it. So now that I'm receiving it, I feel like, "Oh my god!" Like, and I have to do it, like receiving. It, I'm receiving it tenfold. Yeah. So now I'm like. Do I have to give it back tenfold? No, you don't. You have to learn how to receive it. That's your problem. I know. I know. You are pretty good at being verbally loving. Yeah. It's the same with like, um, and I get like, sometimes compliments make me feel uncomfortable, right? But it's, that's insecurity. If like, I can't sit there and and like, yeah, then it's like, oh, you don't believe that? Is that why it makes you feel uncomfortable? So. But you're not, you... You're insecure about people giving you compliments? Yeah, like when people, you know what, and what's funny is I can take the um, compliments about my inner beauty all day. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I get it, I understand why you feel that way. But then when people are like, oh, you're so beautiful, or like, like they'll say like, oh, you have such nice skin, I'm like, no, I don't, you know, like, mm-hmm. but yes, I do, if that's how you, you feel, feel, right, you know what I mean? discount your, right. your opinion, of right. your positive opinion. I'm like, you me. just caught me on a good day, but... That's not for me to argue. Right. That's what someone wants to express. That's how they feel. It's the opposite for me. Really? I feel like I'm totally cool with people giving me outward compliments because I don't know. I'm were like you raised in the way that you were raised. I was were raised. Given? Yeah, I was raised where my mom used my beauty as a weapon. <laughs> she did, and she didn't even know she was using it as a weapon. Like I've talked about this earlier in the podcast, where like if someone was mean to me, my mom would be like, "Oh, they're jealous of you. Mm-hmm. They're jealous because you're prettier. They're jealous because." And she thought she was like boosting my confidence, but in the end, it actually made me feel more insecure because I constantly felt like I had to like be against another woman in some way. Yeah. Um, whereas praising who I am inside. That makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm just like, okay, like, okay, like, thanks. <laughs> right. Got it. Like, all right, I get it. Like, I did something nice. Yeah. Chill. Like, you know? Yeah. So, it's interesting how, and like. T- it's back to our childhood. Everything. You know? It does. Everything it totally does. does. It totally does. The way does. that we are raised. Yeah. I don't think um, in my family, like, there was a lot of praise. It was more like, you know, I love you. I'm like, you know, like, you know what I mean? There, was, mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of, like, affection. Even, even I feel like my dad, um, even though we're, like, I haven't talked to him in, like, a month because we're in a fight. <laughs> same. Oh, same, right. I'm, like, much older for this. He, um, as, an, as he's gotten older, I see how he is feels guilty about things that have happened in my childhood and things he's done. And now he's really verbally affectionate. And I'm, like, 
stop. You're being really weird. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, you're so amazing. I love you. I'm sorry I did this. I'm like, okay, enough being strange. <laughs> yeah. Stop with but the But then shit. the other side of that is like, people do change and people grow, right? So we also have to kind of let Allow go. Them. Yeah, let, if your father wants to grow and he wants to tell you he loves you all day long, he's just trying to overcompensate for what he didn't do. Right. So It's just so weird. <laughs> So you have this other chapter in your book um, about discipline, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because I know you. There, what you'd sent me it was like how diff- people discipline differently, and like it, it, it ranges from like a race, mm-hmm. um, economic status. Yeah. Like there's so many different ranges of discipline. It doesn't always, and it doesn't always, you know. Pl- all those things don't necessarily always play a part, but in some ways they do. Yeah. You know, I do notice that, like, people from, like, pe- people, like, who come from lower economic statuses, like, their patience sometimes is shorter, and they, they, they deal with shit in violence. Because they have less patience, they have other shit to worry about. They're stressed. Yeah. Shit is hard out here. So they're stressed, and they don't have the patience of, like, a rich housewife that's like, oh, honey, like, it's okay, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to generalize, because that's not always true. But there are trends, and I've seen it just in just the it, supermarket yesterday. <laughs> I've seen it in just the the, the men I've dated, mm-hmm. um, and the people that I know who have children, or you know, I just see it and how they how they deal with their kids. Yeah, I think we're also as adults so judgmental when it comes to how other people discipline their kids. Everybody thinks that they know the best way. So, like you said, in the supermarket, you see the child fall on the floor having a tantrum or the kid that won't stop crying. And every adult that's giving a dirty look or staring is like, why is that parent not doing a better job? You know? Yeah, that's true. And as a parent, I should definitely shut the fuck up because I know it's hard out here. But sometimes when I see disrespectful-ass kids in the supermarket, like, outwardly disrespecting their parent, mm-hmm. it does piss me off. And it's not my place. This is not my kid. That's not my, uh, my you know, like, however way you do it is your way. Yeah. And, yeah, that's wrong. You're yeah. absolutely right. And you also don't know because that parent might be the one that's doing the, the, a great job at trying to discipline their children, but it might be the other parent that's enabling this behavior, and that's why this kid is acting this way. Or, or that know? time, I, one time I called Erica, and I was like, oh my god, I just love fucking Trader Joe's. This kid was fucking horrible to his mom. I wanted to take him aside myself. And Erica was like, maybe he has a learning disability. He has <laughs> a behavioral issue. And I was maybe. like, oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, your shit. Maybe. Hey. But for but me, you're right, you're right. <laughs> like, with the book, I was speaking directly to teens, because... As a teenager who was punished sometimes for like two months, two months, no TV, no nothing, like shut down, you feel like life is so unfair mm-hmm. and your parents don't understand and everything is wrong with the You hate your life. And it's like, no, your parents are punishing you because they want you to stay still and think about why you didn't think in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. why did you allow yourself to make that horrible decision? That's what punishment is all about. I was on punishment for months. What did you do to get put on punishment for months? Snuck a boy into my room. <laughs> I did the same thing. Yeah. And you know... What was your punishment for that? Well, they didn't... They didn't ever catch me. Bitch! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought... They thought they knew, but there was no evidence. So, you're like, so they couldn't it. technically really do anything about it. Yeah, you're like, Mom, I hope you're not listening. Um, <laughs> she knows now. I've told her everything. 
Um, one time me and Danielle got caught. We said we were sleeping at someone's house. We didn't. We got a hotel room. First of all, how disgusting. We got one hotel room because four teenagers can only afford one. Who will let the... What hotel let y'all motherfuckers... Bitch, like, Star Y'all had a credit Star card or what? Like, okay, we paid cash. We paid cash. I saw, like, one person who was 18. Y'all are all having sex in one room because that's what everybody yes. does in high school. How disgusting. How porn-ish. My dad found Super. out. Bitch, I was on Punisher for, like, three months. Now, in hindsight... The other part of it is, like, so thinking about the things that we got away with as teenagers Mm. that our parents never found out, like, you have to keep that in mind. Raising teenagers, there's a lot of stuff going on Mm -hmm. that your teen is never going to I think about the things that I did, and it terrifies me. The thick... The lies I told of places I was at when I wasn't. I was somewhere totally else. The grown men that were picking me up in cars and taking me places and all those things. And then I also think about, like, yeah, I was so angry at my mom for, like, reprimanding me or grounding me for this amount of time. And I think about me just even grounding Irie for, like, an hour. Or not even an hour, like, ten minutes. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, like, I'm mad for, like, five minutes and then I feel bad. So, like, I think we – now that I'm a parent, I have to – I realize, like, even though my parents were grounding me and I felt like, I hate my life, fuck them, they're the worst, it probably hurt them to have to do that for an extended amount of time. Right. But then you also learn that grounding is actually a positive thing. It's gr- it's that called as- grounding for a reason. Right. So when we do To ground your ass. When we get you back adults, to ground. We do meditation to ground ourselves and we sit still and we think and we reflect. That's really what you want your child to do. So next time you put your kid on punishment and tell them to sit by themselves for 10 minutes, let them ground themselves. But, you have to, but I think it comes a lot in telling them, this is why I'm doing this and this is yes. what you need to do now. Yes. Because if you're just like, you're bad, go to your room, don't look at me, don't look at the TV, don't think about it. You're just thinking you're a bitch. Yes. And I hate you. You're not thinking like there's an actual, there's things that are, should be happening in yeah. this time. It's so funny the time that we're in now in society, which is great because we are having these conversations. It's more like we're just normalizing the conversation of like, you know, having our kids understand our process as parents and all that. But like today, like yesterday, I've been out of town and so like, my grandma like gave me a piece of paper that Irie's school had given to her, and it's they have an enrichment program at her school, which is why I wanted her to go because they have so many different extracurricular activities that they can do that aren't traditional to like a preschool. Mm-hmm. And there was one on there that was meditation, and um, I love it. It was meditation and yoga, and then there was one that was like self reflection and yoga, and it was like from ages three and up. That's great. And I was like. This is you're taking this because I wish I could have had the tools right. to help ground myself and meditate through things that I was having panic attacks about as a kid. Right. Like I think about like my relationship with my father and how it like was so stressful for me and I would like the mention of his name growing up. I would just start crying. And I need my mom would be like, "Why are you crying?" And I didn't know why I was crying. I just felt like extreme hurt whenever she talked about him mm-hmm. and I remember this one time she was like fed up with me like and my reaction to this whole situation I think she had talked to him and was like you need to come talk to your daughter like she's not okay and he just she didn't give me any warning I just remember I was sitting on her bed <laughs> and then my dad walked in the room and I was like why are you why here? are you here and my dad my mom was like your dad's here to talk to you and I literally flipped the fuck out like hyperventilating <laughs> crying like couldn't talk to him went in the bathroom got in the shower and just cried for like an hour in the shower by myself and I was probably like 12 
And I think that when I think about like self-comfort, when I was reading your book, that was the moment that I kept thinking about because like I did not know how to comfort myself. I was, I felt out of control. I didn't know how to deal with it. And had I had the tools that maybe Irie might, that I'm planning and working on giving her, she would know how to deal with that situation. For me, it was just like, I just internalized everything. I didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to talk about it. Don't talk. Don't talk about my dad. Don't talk about my dad. I don't want to talk about it, you know? And even now as an adult, like, it still triggers me in a way. I think, like, I've, I've gained those tools later on through meditation, figuring out what I need to do to help with my anxiety, um, especially because I think about my health and I think about my parents. Both my parents have autoimmune disease which are all triggered by stress. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, like I'm totally open to getting something like that. Like my dad has alopecia. My mom has Graves disease. I don't want to lose my fucking hair. (laughs) And I don't want Graves disease, you know? So what can I do now as an adult to figure out how to soothe myself? Mm -hmm. And I wish I would have had those tools as a kid. It gives you an advantage. Yeah. It does. It really does. And I know like you deal with a lot of kids that are in foster care Mm -hmm. that feel alone, that don't have, don't even have the problems I had. My dad was there. Like he wasn't there, but at least he was around. Right. You know what I mean? And I had a mom, a good mom. You know what I mean? Well, she wasn't perfect, but no one is. Right. These kids don't have anybody. Yeah. That's scary. You know, they don't have anyone. And it's hard. I mean, every teen feels like when things are not perfect in their eyes, then everything is unfair. And working with the, the children that I work with, I see that, like, the stuff that I dealt with, you know what I mean? It was nothing compared to these kids who have been abandoned, abused, neglected. Mm. So my that's my target audience, like, making sure that they're going to be okay. Because they're the ones who, when the options are on the table, like, in this moment, I am upset. I am livid. Do I comfort myself or do I act out? to express to others how I'm feeling inside. And, you know, a lot of the kids in foster care end up going to jail. A lot of the girls that I work with, they end up they end up pregnant before age 24. And the cycle just continues to repeat. And it's not their fault. They were just angry. They acted out. They weren't thinking. And they didn't know that they had other options. And now dealing with things that are going to be, you know, be in their lives forever because they just didn't know how to deal with those yeah, things. they just didn't know. Getting back to the discipline aspect, how do you, how, like, how did your parents discipline you? Like, what was their form of discipline? They cussed me out and put me on punishment for three months. But thinking about even what you just said, like, I had beef with my mom. I thought, like, I don't think I respected her, but probably a lot because I was like, I saw you put up with a lot of shit that I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't think that I would. I thought, like, it was weak. And there were times, like, she would, this sounds terrible, like, brush up against me in the kitchen, and I would cringe. Like, there, like, even to this day, like, she just came to my house the other day, and we were talking, and she, I could, I can tell, like, I know she's trying to be sweet to me, and, like, trying to ask what's up with me, and what's wrong with me, and I'm so, like, resentful, and I'm just annoyed, like, I, I like, revert to teenager again. You feel, but you, it's funny, I've had those moments, too, where you, you know you're not, you know you're being a bitch. And I can't And you want to, like, you want to, like, unpeel these layers, but you just can't, you yeah, know? It's like, so hard. Even with my, like I said, my dad, like, 
wanting to talk and be really like emotional and shit as an adult like I can just cry like I don't want to talk about this shit I don't want to talk I don't want to get all deep and shit I don't know what the fuck you're talking about like I'm an adult now let's leave it there but like even sometimes I've realized like in my relationship now when like important like when someone hurts my feelings I just like I'm processing it in myself like okay get over it like his feelings are valid but instead of like let me call you back you're putting the band-aid over. Yeah, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to talk to you about it. I want to deal with it with myself. I want to be like, okay, bitch, blah, 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 and then move on, and then I'll call you back. But I never really, like, I don't think there was a lot of discussion, like, talking about what's wrong or why this is wrong, and I just felt, like, angry. Like, I see you guys fucking up a lot, and you're constantly telling me how I'm fucking up, and I'm a child, and you guys are adults, and you're still fucking up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, like, and just, like, yeah, get your shit together, and that's kind of how I talk to Luna, too. <laughs> Which is crazy because she's three, but I'm like, uh-uh, you're not like you're not playing me. Like, stop with that shit. Go in your room. I don't want to hear it. Right. That's how I like. That's how I like discipline because that's how I was disciplined. But I see, obviously, I'm still like dealing with the re- like the repercussions of that lack of discipline, like the conversation, the communication part, and it's not healthy. Yeah. And even I saw in your um, there's another chapter called like Don't Hurt Yourself, and I used to think like maybe because I was like. I read, like, once in eighth grade, a really dark book about bitches that were cutting themselves. And I was, like, around a lot of, like, white girls cutting themselves. So I did. I, I cut, like, in like in the eighth grade. And I remember my mom saw, like, a scar on me. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was, like, all weird about it. But, like, now as an adult, I look back, like, okay, something was really wrong here. Because why is the bitch cutting? Why am I cutting myself? And it's I was. Com- it's very common. And I, I was literally cutting myself. And it, it was to response to, like. Is it because you wanted attention? Or, like, what do you think? Did you. In- Sometimes I would be, feel sad or angry. And then, like, the physical release of pain released the emotional pain. It I transfers. It transfers. And I know yeah. that sounds crazy. Because it, it wasn't attention. Because I felt embarrassed. And my mom, like like noticed it but it was more like I was overwhelmed with the emotional pain that I the physical release mm-hmm. which I don't even understand it to this day yeah but like you know like if you just sweep it under the carpet like I was 12 I was 13 I was stupid which is true but also like now I'm like oh fuck I have, I have hella issues you know that yeah. weren't being addressed mm-hmm. and I think then like 13 14 came around and I started like getting attention from boys and then I started turning to like it's another type of release. Yes, that's yeah. that's harmful. And that led for and that, and that took stood like took a long whirlwind to get out of. And there was times where I was like, even in college, I was like just fucking for no reason, and I knew this just there. I was just numbing myself. Yeah, I would like meet guys, get drunk, have sex, be giving head like not facing them, and I'm like something's fucking wrong with you, bitch. Mm-hmm. And it took a long like a lot of like empty encounters to be like okay. Maybe this is something with you. You know what I mean? But it's almost another form of cutting because that relationship wasn't going to go anywhere. And maybe you, in your deep, dark mind, wanted it to go somewhere. Even if you did it, you wanted that attention. Attention. You knew they weren't going to give it to you. And it was another form of release and cutting. Like, this hurts. Mm -hmm. This hurts. But I'm I'm in control of the hurt. No one's hurting me. I'm hurting myself. So it's better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and I, I almost had forgotten about that part of my life until I was looking through the book and I was like, oh shit, yeah. I did this. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's it's so common that it's also something that I experienced. Like my best friend was cutting, and I didn't know what to do when she told me about it. And so I didn't tell anyone because mm-hmm. I was like, what the hell is cutting? You know, I just didn't know, so I left it alone. And she could have hurt herself. You could have killed yourself. You know what I mean? That's what most kids don't think about when they're doing this. So you could actually kill yourself. 
and it has to be taken seriously. And so for all the kids who are doing this behind closed doors and they're afraid to tell an adult or they just don't want to because the adults around them are the ones that are causing the pain, I want them to read that chapter specifically because it shows you what other things that you can do to transfer pain in a healthier way. And, and then I think also, this is just bringing back a whirlwind of memories. Yeah. Let's go through it, because that's where all of our problems stem from. Yeah, literally. And I'm like, damn, maybe I need to talk to someone. Um, there was, like, it also could have been, like, the influence of the people I was around. Mm -hmm. There was this whole chapter of, we were drinking early, like, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, but then we found computer cleaner. What does computer cleaner do? <laughs> you, like, huff it. Mm. And it gets you high for, like, five minutes or something, but you literally, like, zone out like you can literally just like pass out but I'm like what the fuck kind of supervision what was like what the fuck were we doing yeah and even like I have friends who I'm still friends with now who I was friends with in that period I'm like bitch I don't want uh, like I have a kid that I don't want them because what the fuck were we doing like literally just like all types of things like things that were so in hindsight so damaging and so well, harmful you just don't know any better and you just don't know better you're just doing stupid shit and I was literally the time my parents like if we bring computer cleaner to school we get extra credit. And they're just buying the shit. Oh, my God. I know. But, like, communication is very important now that I'm thinking about it. Because I, I just think that was what was lacking. Like, no one was really talking to me about and It was more like, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to be in trouble. And, the, and if, if you're just grounding your kid, but there's not an actual conversation about what's wrong and why, then yeah. the, the grounding means nothing. Yeah. And then I have to also say, there's one statement that I hate to hear when a child is crying and the parent says you better stop crying or i'm gonna give you a reason to cry oh my god i say that have you said it have you said it probably okay <laughs> probably my, my dad definitely said it growing up when someone is crying it is because they are feeling something that they can't even express in words right and so they're brought to tears and if you tell them that the only reason you should be crying is if I physically hurt, hurt you, you, then that's confusing the crap out of your child because then they don't know how they're supposed to process their emotions. And they're like, but this hurts. But you're telling me it doesn't hurt. So should it not hurt? Like I'm telling you how to feel and yeah. that's not my right. So then, so next time your kid is crying, ask them, why are you crying? And if you can't answer why you're crying, then you need to go cry in the next room. Right. Until you figure out why how you're crying. How to communicate. But you have Use your to word. ask yourself why you are crying. Not that you shouldn't cry unless I throw you down the stairs. <laughs> but yeah, I hear that all the time, especially in black families. Yeah, that's a, yeah, I hate, I'm, I'm sure my the listeners fucking hate me because I'm always like, it's a black thing. No, it's totally a black thing. I mean, I don't know if it happens with other races, but my dad said it to me so many times. And then you stop crying because you're like, I don't want to get hit. hit. Right. <laughs> yeah. and then it's, but then you're just like then you're numb. suppressing, suppressing, yeah. suppressing your feelings. And then you come out like me, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here we are. Well, how did your parents um, discipline you? So it was the same. I, I was terrified of my father. Mm -hmm. And he said the whole, you cry, I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Mm -hmm. Um you know, terrified of him. But then my mom was so nice and sweet. My mom was like the one who would like slap your hand. And then I would just stare at her like that didn't hurt. <laughs> like, what were you trying to do? Right. Um, my mom actually communicated very well. And sometimes that annoyed the crap out of me as a teenager because it was just like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not in a good mood. 
But she was consistent with it. It was like, you did this, I'm upset, and no, we're going to sit down and we're going to have this conversation. Whereas my father, I mean, I felt like he didn't know anything about me as a teen because I was too afraid to talk to him. He just didn't allow that space where I could come in and feel like my emotions, my thoughts, any of that was accepted. Right. And in your book, I know you mentioned a lot of the, the way that that parents discipline their kids is based on how they were disciplined mm-hmm. and or how they were brought up. I think there was an example of a guy who, you know, I think you said you, you interviewed a kid that had everything, like from the outsider looking in. Yep. It looked like, you know, he was sitting courtside at NBA games. He went to the best schools. He went to, you know, the Malfi Coast for vacation. Mm -hmm. But his parents, you know, didn't pay attention to him. Yeah, his father was completely absent. And so he would go to school and act out, cursing out the teachers, doing all these things. And he was a nice kid. But he was angry inside. And that's, you know, probably as a result, I mean, the way that his parents probably or his father dealt with him is because... He's probably, I don't know what his father's situation is, but I'm maybe going to assume he didn't have much growing up and all his his main focus was as long as I can provide everything mm-hmm. that I need for my kids, I'm yep. a good parent. Yep. You know, as American long as I can give you who started self-made millionaire and he was just like, My child doesn't understand why it's so important for me to work and one day he will appreciate it. That's his mindset. And the kid is like, No, I need you right now and you're not present. I don't care about the money. And that's, that's the disconnect. You know, a lot of times your parent feels like, well, I'm doing what's best for you. You don't need to understand. But they do need to understand. If not, they're going to come up with their own assumptions of why you're doing what you're doing. Translated mm-hmm. that yeah, way. So it makes the kid feel like you don't care. That's why you're not around. That's why when we go to dinner and you're on your phone the whole time. Because you don't care about me. Because you don't love me. But if you don't have that conversation, you won't realize that they actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's also important because I think, like you said, there's so many kids who have real, like, I mean, issues are issues, but there's, you know, you have kids who are literally starving, hungry, don't have a place to eat, don't have, like, a a place to sleep, and then you have, like, kids who are fucking vacationing the Amalfi Coast, and you assume that they're okay, but there's so many, like you said, like, how we interpret our, I think as children, we're so hypersensitive that the like like just like your siblings one can be totally fine other ones addicted to heroin same growing up same upbringing but mm-hmm. you're interpreting things so differently yeah. our minds are so weird that way that we can't discount our children's like feelings and their emotions because they're literally translating things so different mm-hmm. it's like that it's like the telephone exercise it's like you say something and then it just keeps going keeps going or like my like for example this constantly happens with me and my mom like, I'm like, you said this. She's like, no, I said this. And I'm like, what the fuck? We're having two different conversations. And, like, we and my mom went to therapy a few years ago because we were having such a difficult time communicating. And, like, I just felt like I wanted to walk away from our relationship. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I was like, I don't want to have a relationship. It is an option. People do it all the yes. time. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I was like, I don't want you in my life anymore because I feel like you're harming me intentionally. And we went to, my therapist was like, okay, so Erica, I want you to say everything that you're feeling. And then Rianne, I want you to say, repeat what she just said to you. And it was like the best exercise. And it really made me realize that telephone exercise is some real shit. Because literally, I said everything I said, and then she repeated what I said, and it was something totally different. And I was like... And he helped her see that she was doing that. Yeah. And the same, it went, it was, it was, it was back, it was me too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was like... It was like she was interpreting what she wanted to interpret yep. and like then regurgitating what she felt like I said. 
And it was like, I did not fucking say that. That's not how I feel. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're not getting along because you think I feel a certain way and I feel like you feel a certain way and we're we're just like missing. We're missing it. And I don't know at what point, I think we're still working on that, me and my mom and trying to like, but I, I do feel like it's gotten better. I feel like that exercise did help. Um, but it's a constant thing. It's a constant it's a constant work in progress. How long do you guys go to therapy for? Like three times. Because I don't even need to like going to a therapist with my mother just seems like fucked and traumatizing just the thought of it. It actually, it was trauma. Mm-hmm. Like there were, mo- I, I remember actually the last time. too much. too much. Mm-hmm. The last time I went didn't go well. And that was, it was like a while ago. It was like during the time when I was dealing with my baby daddy overseas and he was in jail and she was not supporting me. And I was just like, could not understand how she couldn't support me through this process. And so I remember the last time we went, like I, I left like in the middle of therapy. I was like, fuck this. I'm out. And I think once that situation resolved itself with him and me and that whole situation, I think our relationship just automatically got better. I was clearly in duress. I was under so much stress from that situation that I couldn't deal with any other person like having an opinion about what I was doing in my life. So I know a lot of that situation was caused by me and it was caused by my inability to deal Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. self-comfort. That situation showed me how how like what I was like how much I was lacking in that department it really forced me to like that's when I started meditating that's when I started doing yoga that's when I started using exercise as a tool for like release and not just like my vanity Mm -hmm. and I was like no I need to exercise for my mental health um but it's crazy like how like I didn't even realize that until I was I was like 28 or 29 at that point you know what I mean yeah. and if like kids can learn that earlier then god right. please yeah. like I wish that I like realized how like how much I was lacking in that department you know what I mean and like my mom didn't identify that either she never was like hey like you know what like you need to figure out how to self-soothe because shit you're not you're like falling apart Mm-hmm. She just thought I was being dramatic or also, sensitive or, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, it goes both ways. Parents can identify it. You're wanting you're wanting someone important to you to agree with you. You're wanting them to, like, support you and understand where you're coming from. And I think a part of, like, the, the valuing, self-soothing, or you're just your own opinion, period, is that everyone's not going to agree with you, and that's okay. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, your parents, like, I think a lot of times we're looking for our parents to, like, to forgive them, for them to apologize for things. Oh, no, that's not. Most times that's not, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of it, like accepting, okay, this is my childhood. You were dealing, you were giving, you were doing the best you could at the time. You obviously don't get it. And you're expecting and wanting some type of soothing still from that inner child part of you. But a lot of times that's just not going to happen. Right? But how about too, though? Let's just talk about the apology because sometimes you get the apology and it's still not enough. Because my dad has apologized to me for being a terrible dad and not being there. And, of course, it was a very emotional moment in our relationship when he finally did that. But I don't know if I've even still forgiven him fully. No, even I got the apology and I, yeah, it doesn't make the hurt go away. It's just like... It's like when someone, like, murders your family and they go and get the death penalty and they die. And, like, it still doesn't, it doesn't make it go away. You know what I mean? And... It's just like work you have to do within yourself. It's like, okay, you got this apology from someone else and that's great and you still feel like shit. So obviously it's something within yourself Mm -hmm. that you have to work on 
and forgive. Because you're still holding on. Yeah. It's like you can get all the apologies in the world. Your dad could apologize to you. Your mom could apologize to you. And you still probably won't feel better. Yeah. True. And sometimes you just need to get it out. Like I think that um, the feelings that are not expressed are the hardest ones to process, right? Because when you go to a funeral, then people are crying about all the things they didn't get to say to that person. I didn't get to say goodbye. I never, we never got to make up or, you know, that's the hardest part of saying, of letting go of another person is because you were harboring all these feelings and you never got to tell them and you'll never have that opportunity again. So now you have to live with that and keep it inside. That is the hardest thing to do. So my, my dad and my brother had a horrible relationship for most of my brother's life. And about a year or two ago, my brother got really drunk one night and he just lost it on my dad. Like tried to fight him, cursing, screaming at him, caused the whole scene. Like half the family's holding my dad back. Half the family's holding my brother back. And my brother just was yelling all of these things that his 16 year old self Mm -hmm. wanted to say. And like, he looked like his teen. my, My brother has two kids. You know what I mean? He's doing well. He's a beautiful family. He has still not let go of that pain. Mm-hmm. And he needed to get that out. And as much as it hurt my dad and, you know, they didn't end up talking for a long time after, it had to have made him feel better just to let it out, you know? So sometimes it's like the other person can say, I'm sorry. And you're like, yeah, but you still don't understand how much this hurt me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just need to say it. And as much as that's going to hurt the other person's feelings, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Who, who cares? Because you need to understand. No, I'm sorry, however you're going to process this, but you need to understand how much this has hurt me. For me, I need to do this, and I need to say this, and then you can do what you want with it. Mm-hmm. But it needs I, to happen. I need to release it. Yeah, I need to release it. Even if it's like, I'm not mad at you anymore, but you really need to understand how much work I'm doing on myself right now as a result of what happened. Right. But the other side of that is then what that other person says to you. And then does that trigger more anger in you? So because I can say, because they're going to be defensive. So I can say as someone who, um, and I still make mistakes, but I obviously feel like I've kind of mastered this whole self-comfort thing. Um, when my father read the book, I sent it to him in advance. And when he read it and decided that he was going to cut me out of his life and not speak to me anymore, I was like, okay, that's how okay. Long, how long ago was that? Um, this is a little over two months ago. Um, he said he's going to cut you out of his life. He doesn't want to hear about me. He doesn't want to hear about the book. Like if my mom or anybody tries to talk to to him, he's not, no, there's no, no. (laughs) I can't communicate with him. But the thing is like, I know that my dad is suffering. Like you can look at how someone else reacts and treats you. And it's like, this has nothing to do with me. Really, mm-hmm. like you still are holding on to all these issues that you have, and so it makes me feel bad for him. And I know that I'm good. Like I'm like I hope he comes around, but if not, I'm okay. Because really, I didn't have a great relationship through all of those years growing up in the house. He wasn't talking then, so if he's not talking now, it's okay. I'm not really that. Like this is obviously how you deal with shit. So yeah. I, I'm not taking it personally. Yeah, and then I just also look at the reasons why people do things you know so if I express to you that you hurt me and then you like start screaming at me or you get offensive and then you walk away I'm like oh damn that sucks that you don't know how to have a conversation yet you know like that's not me that's you that walked out the room and like can't sit can't take that yeah I I tried to meet you halfway and you walked away so you're not ready right and I think like we take it so personal especially with our parents 
But we have to really just start looking at them as regular people. Children. As children. Mm-hmm. We all are still children. We are. We are. We're all still like this inner child type. With my mom, like I'll bring up one thing. And she's just like, you, you, like nothing, like she does nothing. Nothing she does is wrong. Yeah. She's not accountable. She, at all, at all. Yeah. It's like, you are blatantly lying right now. And it's like, okay. Well, she's not though. In her mind, she's not lying. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, she's really feels that way, probably. Like, bitch, you have a problem. There's multiple DUIs. This is, <laughs> there are <laughs> actually, I'm actually looking at them right now. <laughs> this is not a lie. <laughs> Yeah. There's some issues here. No, it's you. You don't love me. I'm like, okay, girl, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, at what point, like, even with family, even with parents, at what point is it unhealthy to, like, unhealthy to, like, like you said, like, you have to sometimes accept things as they are and help people come around. Do You can do your best to communicate with them how you feel, but I'm not a firm believer of, like, not speaking to family. I think it's ridiculous, but... I've seen, you know, and everybody's different and other pe- yeah. and people deal with demons differently and even when it comes to their children, their people are just not ready to deal with it. And if you're not strong enough to take those toxic relationships, shit, sometimes you do got to walk away. Sometimes well, it goes all the way back to the what we started this conversation about, which is our parents are people and sometimes people need to be cut off from your life for a second. And I know that they gave birth to you and I hate, and you know, you never want to have regrets about, you know, it's like you said, you always get when someone dies, that's when you realize like, yeah. fuck, like I should have, I should have accepted this. I should have said, sorry. I shouldn't have let that bother me so right, much. I right. shouldn't let that be so important at the time. But at the same time, it's like, but our parents are people, you know what yeah. I mean? And we cut people out of our lives all the time. Or we yeah. should at least. Just make you sure know? before you cut them out, you tell them why. Why? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm not, I'm not encouraging cutting your parents yeah. out of your life. I'm just saying, though, like, if we're going to look at them as people, then... If it's a toxic, unhealthy relationship, then it, you need to step away. If it's yeah. hindering your growth, but sometimes yeah. it's necessary. So. Yeah. And sometimes the, the kid or the adult is just in denial about their own stuff and still placing it all on the parent. Like, it's your fault. It's your... No, girl, you still talking about what happened when you were 12. Like, yeah. at what point are we going to grow? Right. right. You got to grow with Like, them. I fucked up. Okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah. Just a side note, we're doing a giveaway on our Instagram. I know it's really random that I'm interrupting this, but I just have to remember so I don't forget. But the secret word is glow, ho, glow. Glow, ho, glow. Um, anyway, there was a part of your book, I think you were talking about sexting. Yeah, well, there's a quote um, that I, I have in there. It says, no sext is safe sex. And I think it's just so important to address bullying in all forms, especially online and cyberbullying, because kids don't realize that what you send is public for life. Once you hit that button, it's out there. And, and I think we come from a time where, like, we didn't have to deal with this as you, much. You only had to worry about the letter you wrote being passed around. Oh, my God. And that happened to me. A letter about my lesbian love. <laughs> who, got the, who got the letter? My mom was like, you can't be writing. Oh, oh, twice. All the time I'm writing. This is probably, I think I'm traumatized. I stopped writing in my journal because like on 10 occasions, I got to keep go, that journal safe. Girl, I got kicked out of a school because I was talking about I wanted to, I think I want to have sex. I'm past titty sucking. <laughs> <laughs> I got to move to level two, finger banging. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know if we're going to see the sinful Jamila or the, the Jamila we've seen all year. She can't come back to Lutheran school. And then I had another one. I was like confessing my love to like my childhood friend who's still my childhood, my grown-up friend, Asia. I was like, I love you. We're in love. I can't live without you. My lesbian lover. And my mom was like, you're not a lesbian. This is a phase. 
don't ever write this shit again. And I was just so traumatized. But, like, yeah, this is a totally... We're, we're growing kids in a totally different time realm. Cyberbullying right. is so real. I mean, like, all I had was, like, age, sex, location, room chats. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I couldn't... And nobody could take screenshots of what you were saying. Right. Even AIM. AIM? Like, I, all I, I had... Printed. Like, I Facebook, like, I couldn't even get on Facebook. Like, you had to be in college. It was AOL. If you had a conversation with someone, you had to remember it so you can tell people the next day. Now, in an instant, unless some guy, like, say something, I can screenshot it. Send it to my friend. She can send it to somebody else. Send it to You know what I mean? pics. Nothing is. Safe. I just showed Erica somebody's pussy pic that sent me the other day. Yeah, she sent it to me. She like, I want to see blah blah blah's pussy. I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, nothing is safe. You know, like I mean, Tell obviously I'm not going to share it. We're going to it's it's kept within our circle. And at the end of the day, she and the girl who sent her the pussy pic ended up sending me her pussy anyway. But <laughs> like, uh, I said, and I said a few other people. Unless <laughs> someone gets a hold of your phone, then right, or then your cloud, the, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah. All you need is a password to log into someone's iCloud, yeah. and you have access to everything they have. Yeah. And and yeah, it's like cyberbullying is so real. Like you were telling us about an experience with your family member yeah. about her, like yeah, with my cousin um, trusting this guy who she lost her virginity to, and she sent him all of these photos and videos, thinking she felt comfortable enough with him, and she maybe thought that they were going to be in a relationship or something, or maybe she felt like sending these things to this guy would make her like her more mm-hmm. because that's what the other girls were doing. And after he had sex with her, he dropped her and started dating somebody else. And then when she was jealous and tried to intervene in their situation, he ended up showing her photos to make a fool of her, like showing her photos with friends and different people in the school. Mm -hmm. And those images got passed around and she has to go to school every day. And deal with that. And yes, you can get the counselor involved, the teacher involved, that doesn't, and whatever. Once those photos are out there, it's there. And that's so traumatizing for it's a, tra- a teenager. A teenager who's just learning their body, who's just getting comfortable with their vagina and their yeah. breasts and not even really understanding. I'm still not even comfortable with my vagina and my breasts. I know. I take like 50 vagina pics and I'm like, oh, that's no, not a good not one. Like, <laughs> angle. I'm like, oh, that angle is disgusting. No, it's true. It's like, it's like women, like we're all, we're, we all have different vaginas and different breasts and even Jamila, like she was sending me a photo of like this, this, di- this diagram of all different types of vaginas and like which one looks like yours. Tell the truth story. I sent her a picture of my, I sent her a sexy picture of me first from the back. I was like, Look how big my vagina is, and then I sent her a chart of vaginas. And then I, from the back, she was sending me like a like a, a like a sexy photo she would send to like her oh, boyfriend. Okay. And because like, she sent me one first, I was like, oh, this is a good pose. Let me try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me try. Speaking it. of everything, I she's encouraging us. Love. Speaking of everything, she's encouraging people not to do. This is what we are doing as grown right, ass women. Yes, right. And all I can say is that I hope that you ladies will be friends for a very long time, and that one of you won't make the other person so upset that one. Look, my that shared. look. The photo that I sent her was real cute. So you know what? Go ahead and <laughs> share that mad, shit. Yeah. And my pussy wasn't mad. out. Don't, my vagina the, wasn't out. Yeah, I don't know. It was, how, it was yeah. just booty. Yeah, it was my vagina. Um, but uh, but yeah, like even looking at that di- diagram of the different vaginas and thinking, like even growing up, like I felt always felt really self conscious about mine. I'm like, mine doesn't look like the porn star one. Like really? mine looks different. Like I don't know if this is attractive. And just like imagine being a teenager and mm-hmm. having that sent out. Like I would be fucking, Mortified. I would lose my shit. Yeah. Like I would like low key probably like. Com- want to kill myself yeah, and that's why yeah. people do they fucking kill themselves because everything's heightened or they get teenager. depressed or they have suicidal thoughts all because of Something a stupid. picture yeah. and because it's so personal and 
you're just learning about yourself. You're not even, you don't even get comfortable with yourself until you're in our age. Like, we're just now here. You know what I mean? Just at the very, at the the tip of the iceberg. And there's no removing yourself from the situation. As adults, and like you guys are friends, if at some point one of you decides to share the other person's personal photos, right? You can then say, well, I'm never going to speak to her again. I'm cutting her out of my life. I don't have to see her. I don't have to see the people she walks around but you're with. In school. Right. When you're in school, there's no walking away. You oh are God. forced to do Every those day. Knowing that, be very careful with what you share. Secrets. Photos, all of it. I know. I think about Love letters, sex letters. I think about the bullying that I received in high school. I dated like a popular football player. I cheated on him with someone, and I was like the bullied. school whore. Yeah. After that, yeah, I was like the whore. The football team yelling shit at me. I wanted to transfer schools. There's like, like nothing worse you could be called as a teenager than a whore. It was like whore, ho, slut. Like, you know, just because Did I, you cry? Did it make I, you I cry, I cried. I cried every day. I went home and was just went to sleep. I was so tired and I didn't know you were that drained. I was just I was just depressed and I wanted to switch schools. I tried to switch schools. Is I couldn't switch schools. Yeah, and eventually, eventually it blew over. And you know, someone else was the, the boy. Boy, the boy that I dated finally was like, okay, guys, like enough. You know, like he called off the dogs. You know, but it was traumatizing, and I can only imagine if not only that was paired with a photo paired with a video yeah. like that can just keep circulating and keep circulating and brought up every time as a reminder. You like, don't even want to live. You're like, I can't face this life. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to see these people. Mm-hmm. And I think about also, I was telling Jamila, like when thinking about that kid recently who was gunned down in a liquor store by junior. a gang in New York. Jun- what was his name? Junior. junior. Yeah, Junior. Because this rival gang thought that he had shared a sex video of their of one of the gang member's sister's. It just comes back to, it could be that, it could just be that, and you can become a target. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy, it's scary, and now I want to delete all my sexy pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so, you guys just be careful. Only That's release like, the really good ones. Bitch, delete all those photos I sent you. <laughs> yeah. Teens especially just have to be very careful. They're not even fully developed yet. Just stop sending them, okay? You have all your life to send sexy I photos. Get it's like, oh, I know, I'm a B, I'm a C, you know. Right, like, right. And I get excited, it's like growling, but that's okay. Show your friend in person, and then move on. It's, it's that, and it's also just the world we live in. When we have like the Kylie Jenner's of the world showing their sexy bodies, and kids wanting to look like that, and wanting to show their boyfriends that they can be sexy too. That was my like, next question. Like back in the day, it was like number one bad thing to be is like a whore but I feel like it's kind of like cool now yeah okay it's like scary I think it's kind of celebrated low-key now it is and then we're looked at as like old bitches because we're not we're like that's not cute like even today at the nail salon I saw a girl walk in with her dad and she was probably 14 she had the shortest shorts on I see that all the time with the crop top it's like and I was like and she was with her dad I was like dad I, I feel like, okay, I get it. Like, even me, like, I would wear sexy shit. Don't get me wrong, but I would do it like I would sneak out with that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would pack another bag. Like, I wasn't wearing that shit in front of my Our parents. parents. Like, fuck it. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna choose my battles. Like, I'm not, I think I so. Want, I don't wanna bitch about these shorts. Probably. Today. Yeah, definitely. Cause some, I've seen kids like, first of all, bitch, you look 29, okay? I know you're 12. And I'm like, what in the fuck? And I know it's not me, cause I've been places with like my ex, and we're like in the mall, and he was like, what the fuck? That's. Bitch is twelve. What the fuck does she have on? And I'm like, if it makes him uncomfortable, and like, and you're not, you know what I mean? Like, I think about my brother's prom date. 
Remember I showed you those pictures? Did I ever show you the pictures? Wait, she had like side boob to the max out. And I was tripping. I was like, mom, this is not okay. And she's like, oh, Erica. I was like, what you mean, oh, Erica? I could never, I could have, never have worn that. Why is this normal? This is not okay. Yeah. I, you know, I remember wanting so badly to be like sexy though. So, I mean. Yeah, it's also more, it's a normal thing now to be sexy and... I think it's a normal, I think we are a more insecure society than ever. Oh, for sure. And because of that, we feel like we have to show more. We have to be more out there. Well, my sister, so I have a foster sister who's 13 years old. She's actually the inspiration behind everything that I do. She said to me the other day... um, how did Kim Kardashian even become famous? Oh, shit. And I had to, like, I waited. It was like a 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> and I was like, do I tell her the whole story? Do I, like, sugarcoat this? What do I? And so I, I did a little bit of sugarcoating. But I wanted to be honest because I didn't want her to then go to school the next day and have that conversation with someone else. And they're like, oh, she's only famous because she had a sex tape with Ray J. And then my sister's like, sex Who, tape? Who's Ray What's J? What's a sex tape? And then have the conversation with someone else and be misinformed. So I was like, let me kind of give her a little bit of this so she knows. Because that's the thing. Kids are teaching kids everything that they know. God. And, and that's why we're and out here the, making all and, kinds of and the internet and the shade room and all these sites are teaching our kids. Right. So what I had to teach her was that a sex tape doesn't make you famous, right? So then she's a very smart businesswoman and she started this reality show and people fell in love with her family and the way that they interact with each mm-hmm. other and her and her sisters decided to start these businesses, these clothing stores. Mm-hmm. Like I had to explain all of that because if someone else had said she's only famous because of a sex tape then my sister is being taught. So if I have a sex tape, I become famous. Right. Right. No, you become a porn star. So I should perform every time right now. <laughs> there's a lot of porn stars, and then there's Kim Kardashian. She's actually done something with that platform. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's so famous now. Wow, mm-hmm. what a hard question. <laughs> what would you have said? I would have just said, I'll call you right back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll get back to you about that. <laughs> Do you know Brandy's little brother? <laughs> oh um, my god. Also, you talk about. Wait. Do you. Your dad adopted your sister? Your, no. So my mom. Uh, my mom. So there's a difference between like adoption so and foster fostering temporary. Yeah. So my mom had her when she was four years old to 10 years old. And then her biological mother got clean and took her kids back. And my sister's now been with her family for three years, but I play a very active role in her life. So she spends summer with me, summers. Um, she spends weekends with me. I'm like the person in charge of making sure she's okay. Okay, but she she does live with her her biological mom now, but she allows you to have a relationship with a relationship with her still. Yeah. Yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> I just it's complicated I, I for saw, most I saw a, a, like a small brief. Well, you don't just that. get clean and suddenly you're mother of the year. Right. You know, it's a process. That's just not how it works. Right. Yeah. And sometimes being present is not always the best thing for the kid. You right. Know? right. And if you're not in the right mindset. Right. And then there's a difference of like some kids grow up angry. A lot of kids in foster care grow up angry because they're like, I don't care how great this home is. I want my real mom. I want my real right. dad. But then when they are given that opportunity, then they're like, oh, this is why I was taken out of this environment in the first place. Yeah. I don't want this. I don't want this mom. 
So it's tough. It's very, it's really hard for foster kids, whether they're in a comfortable home or not. You know, either way, you're going to have those issues because of the... Deal with the rejection yeah. and, and the whys. Mm-hmm. Um, one more thing that we wanted to talk about that's in the book, the level 10 breakups and crushes. Yeah, so that's, I think, every heartbreak that you experience as a teenager is a level 10 breakup. Oh, yeah, it's the end of your life. It oh doesn't God. matter. It is the end of life. You can yeah. take that person for two weeks <laughs> and, and you're heartbroken. So I think that, and so I had to, when I was writing this book, I really had to tap back into how I felt as a teen right. because I think there's a huge disconnect. And for some reason, adults are like, that's not love. You don't even know what love is. And it's like, yes, I do. I'm a kid. I know how to love you. I know how to receive love. You know what I mean? I'm so in deep love. Yeah. I know what I'm feeling and I feel love for this person. And actually, I'm falling faster and easier because I haven't been jaded by experience. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I do know what love is. If anything, it's like the purest love. It is. And so when your heart gets broken, it's like, what do you do? How do you react? How do you come back to that? How do you face that person in school every day sitting next to them in the classroom and you hate their guts? You know what I mean? Those are things that that's something else that parents don't really talk to their teens about. So I wanted to give them options for like, here's how you can deal with that. If you want to communicate to that person, this is what you can do. If you want to build a relationship or let it go, here's what you do. Because I didn't have anyone telling me that. I remember one time I was crying. I was on the phone with my high school sweetheart. He cheated on me. He, like, pet kissed this girl. <laughs> and I was devastated because everybody in school was talking about it. And I'm crying, and my dad comes in my room and starts yelling at me. And he's like, why are you crying over that damn boy? <laughs> Such a dad thing you don't to cry. Say. You don't cry to no boy. You think that's going to make him like you? And I was like, oh, yes. my God, you're so mean. And I'm just like, <laughs> right. you don't understand. I'm already crying. Now you're making me feel worse about right. it. So it's just like, at, at the time, he was trying to toughen me up. But it's like... I'm heartbroken here. Come give me a hug. You right, know? right. So, oh my God. Well, I think love. also as parents, we don't even want to imagine our kids in love or kissing or doing whatever the fuck they're doing like, in their the relation, in their, you know, relationship, whatever. Yeah. And so we kind of like push it to the side. We're like, oh God, okay, thank God it's over. Let's yeah. not talk about it. Let's like hope they don't get another one. Right. But they feel that. <laughs> and so <laughs> when they, when they sense that, or when you tell them that they can't come to you with those things, then that's when they start doing everything behind your back. Mm-hmm. So, Getting the birth control. The best relationship you can have is the one where it pisses you the fuck off, but you allow your kid to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. That was really hard for my mom. You guys got she time. Couldn't. You guys she got couldn't. time. She couldn't do it. And that's why I think I just, I always kept everything a secret with boys constantly. Sex, first kisses, everything, you know? Like, and then I had friends who were like, tell their parents everything. And I was so like perplexed. Like, how the fuck are you telling your mom you made out with someone? I know. How? Me too. How? I was like, I could never. No, could my, never. my mom, um asked if I had lost my virginity. I think she had, like, proof. I can't remember what happened, what went down. But she knew there was no lying about it, and I told her. And then after that, she was like, all right, well, listen, if you're going to be having sex, I want you to be. I want you to use protection, and I don't want you to lie to me. So when you're going over his house, tell me. I'll come pick you up. Can I tell you that my, like, whole high school years, I had the same boyfriend. We had lots of sex. We used lots of protection. My mother always picked me up from his house. My mother communicated with his dad. I never ended up pregnant. You know what I mean? Like, and that was because 
I knew that I had my mom's trust and up. right and I didn't and I was like this is I'm lucky I don't yeah, have you any are. friends you were lucky. in this situation my yeah. mom when I my mom cornered me into to, like like basically like forced me into telling her that I lost my virginity then cried when I told her made shamed me essentially mm-hmm. um I know she didn't mean to but she was just didn't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. and because of that I kept it just everything was a secret. Everything was a secret. I wasn't safe all the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like f- fully equipped, and I did a lot of irresponsible things that you know because I felt like I couldn't co- I couldn't go to her, and yeah. she didn't want me to go to her. She yeah. didn't want that. She, she, couldn't, she couldn't handle it. She couldn't handle it. You know, and whew, thinking about Irie and that, you know, I want to give her a different experience. I truly do, and I and I I plan to, but I know how difficult that conversation is, and it's something that it's an as a parent, you're gonna have to internalize a Just lot of shit. Just imagining your child. In you're gonna that have situation. to internalize a lot of shit because of you want to keep your kids trust. Mm-hmm. You you're gonna have to. to go vent with the dad, go vent yep. with your friends. Don't don't pull put that all on your kid because yep. you want that door open, and I that door was closed for me. And I, even now as an adult, it, it's only recently that I've been open with my mom about my relationships mm-hmm. and talking about my problems in my relationship because I always felt like she judged any time. Like, it was like, well, fuck him. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It wasn't until, like, honestly, like maybe after this relationship that I've been in that I've been open about, oh, yeah, mom, I'm dating someone. Oh, like, I really like this guy. And she's like, wants to know. Yeah. You know, we're finally, we're both at a place now where she can receive and I can tell. Yeah. You know? But it's taken some time. And I think only now, I think it's only she's receiving it now because I'm grown as fuck. She could not receive it when I was a kid mm-hmm. or a teenager or even an early early in my 20s. Yeah. So. So the next book will be for parents with teens. Yeah. I want you to so have some kids, though, because you're going to be so, like mom of the year. Right. Clearly. <laughs> No, so, the most like well adapted child of all time. So it's crazy because people ask me that question all the time, and in this moment, I don't want children. Do you want? Do you? But do you want kids ultimately, or you don't know? I feel like I have kids. I feel like <laughs> I have so. I'm being honest. I feel like I have so many kids. Like most people don't even see the stress that I take on in trying to fulfill the needs of all of these children that I some of them I grow really close bonds with and they don't have parents there like I just dealt with back to school shopping do you know how many kids that I have strong relationships with who had holes in their sneakers who had no clothes had like couldn't get their hair done all these different things to prepare for school and their parents are on drugs their parents aren't around they don't care and so me struggling to take care of my damn self I'm like okay I gotta find a way how let me see if I can get some sneakers donated like it's a lot of stress outside of work and so and then I have my sister so I feel like if I had kids and you guys understand as parents how time consuming it is just mentally physically like everything it takes so much of you that I think if I had my own children I would not be able to assist with these kids in the in the capacity that I am sometimes it takes for like a person like you like your calling is obviously this and Mm -hmm. to like be there for these kids who are so less fortunate and obviously because you're not like biologically their parent you have the opportunity to effectively like be of guidance and of assistance to Mm -hmm. a lot of kids who need it and I think it's something like that's kind of first of all it's a very commendable to you to recognize that 
like you're selfless enough to recognize if I had my own kids, I would probably not to be able to be of such service to so mm-hmm. many kids in need. And I mean, yeah, you're technically a mom for that. You do understand the stress of actually doing that. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think you have to, I mean, I think it's an amazing, you're an amazing woman. And that's to, to understand, like sometimes you're calling as a parent mm-hmm. or mother figure is, is it the traditional way that you see it, but it's still like not to be taken away from right, by any point. Cause there's so much pressure from society. Like, yeah. Oh, we're, we're 30. Oh, where's, why don't you have kids? Mm-hmm. Oh, so-and-so and so-and-so got kids. Oh, you got this profound, amazing book teaching kids. Mm-hmm. Why don't you have kids? You know, the clock is ticking. Who's because, your man? Because so many of my kids don't have moms. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That's exactly yeah yeah. so I think that's that's pretty fucking amazing thanks and I think that I think I love how I mean I know that through your work outside of just Precious Dreams Foundation just through your work as you know I know you did music in the past dancing you've made connections with a lot of our our favorite celebrities currently and they've contributed and I know that we live in a time now where like that type of shit (laughs) connects to kids like they're gonna Mm -hmm. see that like Miguel contributed to your to your book or mm-hmm. ASAP Ferg and they'd be like, oh, I want to listen, you yeah. know? And like, like, I think that that's amazing that you were able to get those voices because at the end of the day, they are people. Right. And, people and they have some, some of those people have the biggest influence, right? So even as a mother, Irie might not, as a teenager, right? Irie might not listen to you over the advice that her favorite singer mm-hmm. gives, you exactly. know? So knowing that those type of people in these powerful positions have this influence, I wanted to connect them in these intimate spaces with the children that would never have these opportunities. And so through Precious Dreams, we've had Miguel come out and sit in a room with 50 teenagers that lived in a homeless shelter and talk to them about his teenage experiences and the things that he needed to hear. And I knew that that moment was a day that these kids would never forget. You know, It's not as easy as, and I don't want to put names out there, but I've reached out to celebrities and they're like, oh, I don't have time to talk to the kids, but I'll send them some concert tickets. And it's like... It may not be as as profound when you hear it. A personal experience. They can jump around at home and listen to the song. Song. They they can actually relate to someone. Like, oh my God, this person had challenges too? Right. So it's not just me. I'm not alone in these feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I put some of our guest speakers in the book. Um, It's some of the things that they dealt with. Like ASAP Ferg. It was crazy because he was so eager to share his story in the book. Because he was like, when I'm doing my music, I don't like, I, I make, I try to make hits. I try to make songs that people are going to love, that people are going to dance to. And I don't want to make a sad song about my father dying and me going into depression and all this stuff as a teenager. But this is a space where I can share it with kids and they can read about it. And hopefully it'll help them in that way. Right. And so. I'm not worried about it down and Debbie downing my album. Since, right. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you know, and he probably has a better way. He can really break it down and really explain, you know, that side of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tell his own story because that's a whole other thing. So many people are, t- are... Are we having more mimosas? Yeah, I want more. Of that. I don't think we have any more. Oh, bro. damn. Sorry. We're um, oh, well. <laughs> Interview over. Not <laughs> <laughs> now we'll be wrapping this right. up. <laughs> no, no, we have, we have more, a little bit more. Um, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, kind of, but I'm kind of joking. We are at the end. <laughs> Um, we have some advice. Yeah, we got we got um, a uh, we we always ask our listeners to send in any questions they have that we can answer, and I feel like this is a really great question 
that maybe you have a great perspective on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an anonymous. And also, uh, just to our listeners in general, um, A, you can send us in um, questions for advice that you are seeking. But also, before I read this, um, there have been a lot... This is not the first... Um, be like uh, advice we've been asked that's re- like around physical abuse. So um, if this is anything anyone else is struggling with, this is this is like a big deal, and don't ever like downplay it. And you can always come and ask. Obviously, we're not like professionals, but um, we're gonna always provide the best advice we can give you. But take it really seriously because it's real shit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, to our anonymous advice, she writes question for you, ladies. My husband and I got into an argument last week. I ended up grabbing his arm to prevent him from leaving. He shoved me back, so I swung at him. Next thing I know, he, was, he has me pinned to the bed, choking me. Never has he showed signs of abuse, but it scared me so much I had to leave and am now staying with my parents. We have a one-year-old daughter, and I would feel terrible for tearing our family apart. I'm so scared of becoming a single mother, but the more and more I think about what happened, I don't know if I can forgive my husband. Not sure how y'all decided it was time to end the relationship, but could really use some advice. So, this is... This is a tricky one because yeah. it is like the, there is no first or second or like there's no like no, good time for violence. There's no. no like limit on when it's what my blankie. Okay, we'll get it. But you have to stop coming in and out. Okay, you've been so good. Um, there's no like oh, it's the first time. I mean, the, people always say no, if, if, yeah. people always say if there's if, if he's gonna do it once, they're gonna do it again. Mm-hmm. That's what they always say. Yeah, and I don't know if that's always true. But I also know that accepting something like that starts the big path of normalization. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't... think that there's like, there were a few issues that I heard in there. So one is that she's considering and figuring out how she feels trying to process this and deciding if she's going to stay with him. She's considering that she should stay with him because they have a one-year-old, right? So I think... The biggest problem is is deciding um, whether or not you stay in healthy or unhealthy relationships based on the fact that you have children with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, because children never deserve to grow up in a toxic or unhealthy environment. Um, so that shouldn't be a factor. Um, one thing that should be considered, though, is that she... Uh, swung on him first, right? So she said she pulled she pulled his arm back, and then she swung and, at him. Uh, and then he, he like he like swung off of her. Like I guess she tried to make him stay, and he when he in releasing her, he like kind of hit her, and then strangled she, her. Stri- then she hit him, and then he sh- she was pinned down on the bed. Yeah. So so basically, there was violence on on both parts, there. right? Um, and that's something that I don't think can be solved with without possible therapy like I think that they need to really make this a bigger issue than it is because some people will be like okay he's had time to think about it I forgive him we're gonna move on um but that's such a big issue that that needs to be talked through because then the real issue is um why were you trying to physically keep him here and then why did he feel he needed to hurt you in order to calm you down you know so that's I think those are issues that they need to get professional help or if they do want to try to work it out obviously 
they have argued before this Mm -hmm. that it's come to this. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a backstory that we don't know about Mm -hmm. that they've obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, but I'm pretty sure like they've argued intensely before. Usually it leads to this. Something no, she little... said this is the first time this is ever. Like, no, physical. I don't mean I don't mean physical, but oh. I mean like they. Oh, so something in their relationship, or there's probably a culmination of things in their relationship that have led to this point. So, I think understanding whatever that is, and like understanding like why it is that she felt like she needed, like you said, to keep him there, and she used she used force as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously he used greater force, but yeah. like, how do we measure? Is there a measure of like? what's better and what's worse, you know what I mean? It's hard. I said the same thing. I said I needed to go to therapy. I said I think it was best that you did leave and go stay with your moms because in situations like this, you ha- like, I think women are like, this happens to everybody sometimes. And A, no, it's not true. And um, B, like, that person, no matter what you decide to do, has to know this is not to be fucking tolerated. I'm not fucking with you. I'm not playing with you. In any case, you think this is going to be the norm in our relationship? No, just know that I will remove myself at any point at a drop of a dime. Well, I'm glad that she did. Yeah, that's what I said. I said that was great. And yeah. maybe you should be there for a little while. So mm-hmm. he understands the magnitude of his actions. I told her, like, yeah, you definitely should have, like, hit him. First of all, don't hit no man because he's probably going to win. And, um, and, and of course, there's this whole trauma about being a single mom that is surrounded by whether we should stay or we should leave, which also is so fucking ridiculous because it's just social bullshit, you know? Like, that's not the, like... I'm so much happier being a single mom. Honestly, like Me I, too. I feel like there's such a negative connotation about saying being a single parent. It's like it's like, the, it's like, it's like a woman's made. greatest fear. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I mean, no offense to her. I mean, I know she didn't say it, like to be offensive, but or not no offense. To I her. mean, we've I know said she it. didn't say it to be offensive to us, but like I just know that like sometimes it's better. Honestly, oh, but mm-hmm. it's taken us to be here to, to think know, it's better. To know, even we have like yeah, we, it took us that. a while to leave, and and we thought we put our kids in front of our own, our our kids, what we felt like their needs in front of our own when it came to what we were tolerating. I think um, there's no black or white answer to answer this. There's no like, yes, leave him or yeah, no, stay. We don't know their situation. But I think also you just, yeah, you have to kind of analyze your situation. You probably are going to need some therapy. You probably, you have to you have to think what what led me here? What led us here? Will it show up again? It doesn't necessarily always have to show up in violence. It might, he might not ever be physical with you again, but it might start being emotionally emotionally um, toxic. You know what I mean? Which is sometimes even worse. Yeah. It, 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 and I, maybe he's already been emotionally. Right. And are you right? You need to. Re- I said that to you. Are you? You need to recognize that there's other forms of abuse that have happened prior, prior. to this. Yeah. Because even in my relation, my last relationship, this is someone I was. was my high school sweetheart, and I've known him for 15 years, and then we lived together, you know, five years, we had a baby, but it was just this slow, toxic progression of abuse, and I was so dug deep in this hole that it was so verbal, I became so numb to it, so immune to it, someone shit-talking me, someone questioning me a lot, like a deeply insecure guy who's constantly accusing you of doing things you're not doing, like, are you out there doing ho shit, like there's just like a a psychological type of abuse that happens first a lot of times they build you up to break you the fuck back down and then it graduated slowly to like a push a shove one time i was supposed to go to vegas with my friends and he was he got upset with me and like sprained my ankle but it was like it was this weird like premeditated abuse where it was like i'm not gonna leave a mark 
but I'm gonna hurt you. Like I'm gonna yeah. twist your arm. And then like I got to Vegas and I ended up having to go to the hospital because my fucking I could not walk on my foot. Mm-hmm. And even then, like I brushed it under, I brushed it under, I brushed it under, until um, there were several things that happened. And of course, I just like this just chopped it up to shit, you know. And then there was um, like the one of the last straws is my he, I was with Luna and he did the shit in front of Luna and then like he drew blood. And it was like the sight of my own blood was like, oh my god, I'm I'm a fucking battered, I'm a victim. Like it it, it literally took years and years and years and years. And my friends were like, bitch, that's not normal. That's not normal. This is not normal. This is not normal. And I'm like, oh, he's crazy. Da, 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 da. Until it was in front of my kid. And then like, even to be completely honest, which is embarrassing to say, like weeks later after that happened, I I was around him again. And then he would like come over and he's like, well, I'm so sorry. Let me take you to this. And I would go. And then finally, like a month later, Luna was still talking about it. And she was telling people, mommy's booger's bleeding. Police come. Like she was not even verbally, like she couldn't even communicate like good, but she was communicating that shit. And then it would be like two months out, three months out. And I'm like, oh my God, I've trauma. I've allowed this situation to literally traumatize my child. And it took me a few times to realize like I'm taking part in this, I'm allowing it and I have to cut the shit off. And, you know, and then finally I was like, fuck this, I'm not doing this shit anymore. And then now that I'm out of it, I can see it for what it is more so, but it's so easy to get go down that rabbit hole with people that you love, people you make excuses for. But I realized in making excuses for him, I'm I'm also like, um, like what is it called when you give a drug dealer money and you don't? Know, I mean, like a drug user enable enabling him. I'm enabling him now, crazy because I'm I'm forgiving him and I'm he's thinking it's okay. And I come to I had to come to a point where I had to like when she would bring it up, even at her young mind, I had to be like, well, you know, when so and so did this. It's not okay, and that's why we can't be friends. Me and your dad can't be friends because this is not okay. And if someone ever puts their hands on you, it's not okay. I love him, but we are never going to be like this. So, I mean, like, even at a very early age, I realized it's really important, like you said, to be honest with your kids, um, To for, even if something fucked up happens, because it happens, and inevitably we will at some point kind of do something traumatizing to our kids because it's we're human but it's also about addressing it and saying this is not okay and then do, take doing the work thereafter so they can also see that there's been steps to you know change that narrative yeah so so i think i think with all of that said and you know i appreciate how candid you are about your relationship with baby daddy um is that i think that our our anonymous writer needs to really look at her situation and see has it been building like what led to this point was it a slow progression because it had to be nothing nothing just happens like that you're not like happy 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 and then suddenly i'm being strangled no you know you have to be you have to be like brutally honest with yourself yeah you really do and like you said that there's probably a lot going on before that happens so it's physical abuse is not the only toxic thing that can happen in a relationship so Okay, well, do you have any horries you want to discuss to, on a lighter note? <laughs> would, you like, note. would you like to share uh, a horry? Uh, uh, Horror uh, stories. Um, sure. <laughs> so if you don't know what our if, what our horries are, basically it's a horror story, whether it's like you being like a hoe. <laughs> like a hoochie mama story? Or oh. it's, it's usually it's a sexual story that's either like horrific 
or just kind of like you were just kind of being uh-huh. And we don't, we, I mean, you can share one if you'd like, or if you'd like to not share one, you don't have to. Yeah, we do no, ask us. Wait, what were you going to say? I was, I thought you had one. You told me you Oh, yeah. One. So my horror story is like actually kind of horrific. It's kind of funny horrific, but it's, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> so one time, one time at the end camp. Um, I love we, how we go from that to this. Like, I know, I know. Well, we can't close on, you know. It's gonna have a mix of both clothes on a whole note. Whole note. Okay, so young me and Young Bay, where I was, in, aka her boyfriend now. <laughs> He's not Young Bay anymore. Oh, okay. He's your man. <laughs> my boyfriend, my Young Bay boyfriend. Before he was my boyfriend. Um, after I left, because he doesn't live here. After I left New York, he called me and he was like. So I know my boyfriend through another friend who's both our friend. And he's like, I have to tell you something. We've always had a pretty honest, transparent relationship when we're fucking other people. I mean, for him. I'm not like, he didn't want to know my shit. But I was like, what happened? Tell me this. Oh, okay. So um, he was like, I hooked up with so-and-so, who was somebody I knew. It was a friend, another friend of hers. And, of course, I was annoyed. But first of all, we're in a relationship. I live across the country. So I'm like, okay. Also, in my, my ego... The bitch that he was talking about was there the day that I met him. And I was like, I don't really care because obviously you chose. And she obviously, like, waited till I left. And then you hooked up with her. So it doesn't really bother me. If she wants to fuck you after me, it's not a big deal. <laughs> You're, she obviously has issues. I don't want to date a nigga that I know fucks somebody else that's around. But whatever. <laughs> anyway, me and my whorishness, when I came back in town, she was there. We went to, my friend had a birthday party. She was there. Young Bay was there. I was there. And she got really drunk and pretended like she didn't know that we were, like, talking. I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea. We need to get him back. And I was like, no, girl, I'm not trying to get him back. I don't really care. I'm like, it's not a big deal. So she got really drunk. And that night after we went out, we were all back at my friend's house. And she was like, I don't know. I don't know how this happened because – I'm like a threesome victim. People are always trying to invite me into their threesomes. So she was like calling me and calling him upstairs. And I was like, how is this happening? Because I'm not really attracted to her. So anyway, finally we're all upstairs. She's like pretending to be really drunk. And I'm like, obviously this bitch is trying to like get me. So I'm like, I I don't like to play games like this. I'm just going to start to get the party started because that's how I work. (laughs) So whatever. (laughs) We start all messing around. I'm like, eating her out and, and sorry that could mean anything <laughs> and um so midway through this bitch <laughs> removes her whole wig <laughs> and has just straight backs no <laughs> yeah removes the wig the whole thing comes off, like this curly wig. And I was just like... <gasps> she was just like, you know what? Fuck it, yeah, I'm like, hot. And yeah. she just whipped the wig off took mid-sex? It, took it off and placed it next to the bed. <laughs> and I'm looking at him like, did you know this bitch was going to do it? Like, <laughs> she looked like Queen Latifah and set it off. <laughs> Low-key. Like, low key, like with makeup on. And I was just so off-put. Like, I can't believe that this... Chick is so, first of all, I was like, wow, you're confident as fuck. Because there's no way that I can, like, remove my wig 
in the mid-sex, especially yeah. with a third a bitch there. I would never do it. This is why when I do wear my wigs, like, I always make sure if I know I'm going to go, like, hang out with a guy, I don't wear the wig. Because I don't want to have this situation. But I have had this situation where I did have sex with a wig, and I was holding on to it for dear life. No, literally. It literally. kept, like, sliding off, and I was like... <laughs> Cause and I was like, how do people do this every day? Because your imagination, like, to me, I would have to fulfill the imagination. Like, I'm not removing my fucking hair during. Like, even when I, I don't wear a lot of weaves, but the couple of times that I have, I'm like, oh my God, in my head, like, is my track showing? This is too much. Like, I, I can't. Like, don't touch my head. Don't touch my yes. head. Yes. And, like, I feel like I just can't handle, I can't handle the thought that maybe my hair might come off. Or, yeah. like, you'll see a track. So, when this bitch did this, I was completely, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, um, she's also ended up being one of those very annoying girls who's like, "Oh my god, well I don't I don't do stuff like this." I'm like, "Bitch, you're doing it. You're so comfortable right now. You are way comfortable. Yeah, you took the whole wig off. You are doing it. We don't believe you." So, right? I was like, first of all, bitch." So later that night, I was like, "Yo, dude, did you notice she took her whole wig off?" Oh, anyway, so after we finished the threesome, which I like, kept going in and out of the room because I initiated it because I'm the gangster bitch. And then I really didn't, I wasn't really that into it. So I was like, I'm going to get into some Hennessy. I'll be right back. And then like 20 minutes later, they were like, Jamila. I'm like, fuck. So I go back upstairs. So later that night, I ended up leaving with him. And I, when I left with him, I realized she was still there. And when I say, I feel like she, it was like an Afro wig. Like she like shrunk into her wig. Like she felt some type of way for sure. Like that she had just given herself to this three-way and now we were leaving together. I felt, I kind of feel bad about it, but not really. You played yourself. <laughs> you should never fuck a guy who could have picked you but didn't. Anyway, so later that night, I was like, dude, did you know? He's like, I've seen her do it before. You know, I fucked her before, so I, you know I knew she was going to take off her wig. I was like, that doesn't throw you off? He was like, eh. I was like, you're a gangster nigga, because ain't no way. I've, I've always wondered how that works with girls. I, I guess that's what they do. They just say, fuck it, because she just took the shit all or I think off. most black men know just don't touch a black woman's hair. Yeah. Because I always learn about women with like lace fronts, like all that, like when they, you know, they're out here, like, you know, some of these girls are out here trying to get F-U-C-K-E-D. Right. Is well, that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so I'm just like wondering, like, how do they deal with the hair? It's like, it's like a serious question. Like, listeners, for those of you who wear wigs on a daily what what's your process? I'm really curious because I've done it a few times. Low key, actually, I had a ponytail. Remember, I told I you. I told you the ponytail wasn't that bad. I know, but the, my ponytail. I was hooking up with this guy. We we're making out. Yeah, she and actually my, knows my, really well. I know him well, so it wasn't as embarrassing as it would have been if it was like some random dude. Yeah. But my ponytail like fell off in the middle of the street. <laughs> And he was like, where's your ponytail? You were outside? Yeah, on Holly in Hollywood. And it was like on the floor. And he was like, I think this is your oh. ponytail. And he picked it up and I was embarrassed, but not as embarrassed as I would have been if it was like a new guy that I right. just hooked up with. So I'm really curious as to how like women deal with that. Like what, do you just pin that shit down or do you like, is there a disclaimer? Do you take it off before? I thought, like, wow, I'm, I'm extremely insecure because I could have never done this. I would have been trying to ride the It must be out. normal to just take it off. If she felt like that's what you do, then that's just must you know be what, what people do. Now I'm going to ask him like, and how many times, is this your first time you had sex with a bitch who had a wig and she removed it? Or have you had other sex with bitches with wigs and they removed it? Because this is my first experience with something <laughs> like this and I was mortified. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> I knew it was a wig the whole time, but I couldn't believe that she took it off for the threesome. Yeah. 
Well, I've actually heard guys say that they prefer women with natural hair, and I'm like, but do you prefer me to take it off and have straight backs? No, but I was thinking like, what is the big deal if her hair is natural or not? Like, if she looks probably that. But yeah, it's probably it probably has a lot to do with sex. And also, I also hear like if you like wear a lot of wigs or weaves, you know they shed a lot. You get that fucking shit everywhere. That hair is. Well, it also inhibits you. Like I would say with a guy, like if a guy loves to have that, like pull your hair, like do all that. They can't do that if you are wearing a wig unless that is secured. Secure the wig. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not your worry. If you're going to have a threesome with me, I would prefer you secure your wig. Or just have your natural hair out that or day. Or just come natural. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not soliciting for a third person, but I'm just saying, just a PSA, if this ever happens, just, yeah, for me, I would prefer you to secure it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was a good one. That's a good worry and a learning experience. If you guys have any uh, worries... Good ones, though, you guys. Juicy, good, deep hoary. Level 10. Level 10. Not Level like, 10 hoary. <laughs> even sometimes I'm just like, oh, this one's good. And Erica's like, no, not harsh enough. I'm like, wow. Okay. It's true. Someone sent us one. I was like, we're not sharing that. I was like, I think it's kind of good. She's like, no, it's not good enough. <laughs> so come correct or don't come at all because Erica said level 10, bitch. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. Well, anyway, we're going to wrap this up. You guys, can you tell everyone where to find your book, how, how they can find you? Yes. So, first, I always say um, look into the organization Precious Dreams. You can find us online, preciousdreamsfoundation.org. Um, the book is currently available online. You can get it from anywhere, Amazon, Target, Walmart. And what's it called? Again? Barnes & Noble. It's called Everything a Band-Aid Can't Fix. So, and then what's your Insta? My Insta is at Nicole Russell, full name. So. Yay. And you guys, we're really looking forward to next Sunday. We are having a brunch, so we are sold out because... We, we only have- made a reservation for 20 people. <laughs> we didn't think we could possibly have any more people than 20 come. But but honestly, I know some of y'all are going to cancel at the last minute, so feel free to show up. Just come by. Yeah, we'll figure it out. El Torito will add more cheers. Yeah, if you look on our Instagram, um, at goodmoms underscore bad choices, you can find out where the brunch is. It's in Sherman Oaks at El Torito. Like we said before, the brunch is the bomb. The bomb. $36 is the best $36 you've ever spent on a brunch. And that includes, is it 36 or 31 It's 26 but with a tip, I included it. I thought it was 31 36 okay. Because I figured for a $5 tip, 31 Okay, so $31. With tips. Bring tipper. cash. Please bring cash, y'all. No, oh. stop saying that. You don't have to bring cash. They can run a card at El Torito. Oh, okay. Well, just bring, Just don't come. Come correct. I'm not paying for your brunch. So why do you, do you have a bad experience? Of course, everyone's had a bad experience going to group You're settings. You're going to scare our fucking followers. No, like, our, our followers know. They're adults, Every, bitch. They know to bring money. Jamila. Listen, listen, followers. Y'all know, y'all have been to the birthday party where a bitch likes to dip out early Erica and be is like, harsh.com. Yo, I'm just saying, I've had, everyone's had a bad experience. Have you had, haven't you had that experience? Okay. Yes. Okay. Not, not amongst like people you've never Look, met. I, it's even worse amongst people you've never met. First Look, of all, if you I just, I put the disclaimer out there so that when we get there, ain't no funny business. First of all, if you even think for one second you could dip on me in a parking lot at <laughs> El Torito, you've tried it because I will be in the fucking parking lot. <laughs> finding you so I didn't even think that was an option because I will literally come to the parking lot to get your money <laughs> the fuck 
If you're an adult and you think this is an option, you're wrong. Especially at this point. This has been like a serious debate, like for like two days. Jamila was like, why did you post that on our stories? I was like, because they need to know. I'm like, damn, everybody knows you got to pay. It's not free. God. Anyway. Anyway. We're going to be really nice when you get there. I swear to God. Um, so yeah, uh, we're really excited to see you there, and, uh... Oh, also, we added, uh, the Sunday book club, the book club to the website, so you'll be able to find a link for her book, for Nicole's book, and all the other books that we've posted, um, previously. Yeah, if you follow us on Instagram, then you know that most Sundays we include a book that we're reading, either personally or that we've read to our kids, so... Um, we've read some really good stuff. So go on our website, www.goodmomsbadchoices, and you can find Nicole's book amongst all the other books that we've included on our Sunday book club. And also we're going to add a link if you are experiencing domestic violence, um, ways you can get help or, you know, people you could talk to. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, thank you again, Nicole, for coming. Thanks for having me. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. You were informative. Yes, yeah. yes. I think we all learned a lot today. We tapped back into our, like, childhood selves. Seriously, I did. I had to about tipping, securing the wig. This was a <laughs> Securing great the wig, podcast. tipping, chasing a fish down in a parking lot. <laughs> so, yes. And a lot of other education <laughs> Um, all right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Shorty right there. Shit. Shit. Shorty at the